This episode of the 24-inch podcast is dedicated to the life and memory of Calvin Crowell. The recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Hulk Hogan, excuse me, excuse me. What in the world are you thinking? Me, Gene, the first thing you need to do is to tell these people to shut up if you want to hear what I got to say. I have been with you for so many years. For you to join up with the likes of these two men absolutely makes me sick to my stomach. And I think that these people here and a lot of other people around the world have had just about enough of this man, this man, and you want to put yourself in this group, you've got to be kidding me. Well, the first thing you got to realize, brother, is this right here is the future of wrestling. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother. These two men right here came from a great big organization up north and everybody was wondering who the third man was well who knows more about that organization than me brother i've been there i've done that you have made the wrong decision in my opinion well let me tell you something i made that organization a monster i made people rich up there i made the people that ran that organization rich up there brother and when it all came to pass, the name Hulk Hogan, the man Hulk Hogan, got bigger than the whole organization, brother. And then billionaire Ted, amigo, he wanted to talk turkey with Hulk Hogan. Well, billionaire Ted promised me movies, brother. Billionaire Ted promised me millions of dollars. And billionaire Ted promised me world caliber matches. And as far as billionaire Ted goes, Eric Bischoff and the whole WCW goes, I'm bored, brother. That's why these two guys here, the so-called outsiders, these are the men I want as my friends. They're the new blood of professional wrestling, brother. And not only are we going to take over the whole wrestling business with Hulk Hogan and the new blood, the monsters with me, we will destroy everything in our path, Mean Gene.
Hey now, summer vacation is over, and the 24-inch podcast is back. My name is Steve Bennett, coming to you live from Buffalo, New York. Paula Bennett will be with us later, but with us now, from Kearney, New Jersey, Sopranos Town, USA, just a few days before Sopranos Con will kick off out in Jersey. A warm welcome, as always, to my partner and my friend, Hollywood, Dave Rollins. What's up, Dave? How are you doing tonight, I missed you like hell, Steve Bennett. It's been a while. I'm so glad to be back here with you. Sopranos Town, Buffalo. Back to regular life. Busy, busy, busy like the professor and Frosty the Snowman. But it was a good run on vacation. Yeah, I got a lot of shout-outs, I feel like, tonight. And the first one I want to give is to a guy named Drew... Wardlaw, who warmed my heart by reaching out to me to tell me that he lives in California, Southern California right now, and he's moving his wife and his daughter, also five years old, to Buffalo, New York. And he had many questions for me, so shout out to, uh, I guess he found out I was from Buffalo in the place to be world somewhere along and Drew reached out, and we had a good talk. I told him where to live and where not to live. And I wanted, great, to, I wanted to say hello to great, him. A great, strong name. Yeah, Drew Wardlow. Wardlow. You don't, Vince don't got to change that one, brother. But um, shout out to Drew. Uh, the first thing we got to do, though, Dave, is so we took a break. We had our last episode, episode 14, Boris Zukov. I got some good feedback on that, um, you know. Someone had reached out, I think, on Twitter and just said that they really enjoyed that episode, which I was glad because it took a little bit of guts for us to do that. Yeah, and, and no one's heard from the guy in years. And right after we released our episode, Hannibal had a big shoot interview with Boris. <laughs> it was like two days later. Yeah, his, na- his name was echoing across the uh, It was us. The landscape. But um, no, it just we're a Hulk Hogan podcast, and we did an episode where Hulk Hogan had one minute and 50 second match, you know, so there was a little bit of a risk. I'm glad we did it. I'm glad people enjoyed it. Um, but after that, we kind of had plans to do the episode we're going to do today closer to the anniversary of the show, which was kind of right in line with our usual schedule. Um, but it just proved to be that we needed to take a little time for the summer, a little bit of summer vacation, Dave. And I remember... I remember coming back from school. See, my birthday was always right around the start of school, which was kind of the negative of it. But it was never during school because out here in Buffalo, school would always start after Labor Day. And my birthday at the worst was Labor Day, which is always a day off. So being September 1st, I was born on Labor Day way back in the day. And actually, my brother was born on Memorial Day, which is kind of cool. But um, very cool. I loved my birthday because SummerSlam was around it, and I could always get SummerSlam as part of my gift. But I didn't like my birthday because it was back to school, and sometimes my mom would try to make it like my sneakers for back to school were part of my birthday gift. So that would drive me nuts. But what I loved on the first day was when the teacher would write on the board, what did you do with your summer vacation, Dave? It's your turn to come up to the front of the class. I know you wrote down some notes. Tell the other students... What you did with your summer vacation. But remember, we're in school. So don't say that you fingered Sally 
behind the bleachers <laughs> the third day of you know, summer. That's not great, appropriate. Don't embarrass Sally like that. Because yeah. I was going to say, is this junior year of high school or is this third grade? You know what I mean? <laughs> right, big let's, difference. Let's, let's just go to modern day because I ain't fingering. No, never mind. <laughs> let's just go to modern day. So we're here in modern day. And uh, I had a great uh, summer vacation, Steve. It's great to be back here with you, like I said before. But um, my sister, who uh, moved to California in 2009 with her husband and daughter, my niece, Skylar, Skylar's uh, uh, become a, a very successful gymnast. And um, they're tour around competitions, you know, whatever it is. I don't always follow it closely like I should. But uh, you know, we're, we're close, always in contact. But uh, they visited for the first time in six years. So it was the first time for yeah, me seeing them in, in that amount of time. And uh, we just had a blast. We just I thought maybe they would just want to stay in Kearney because it's like coming back to the hometown. This is their vacation. But no, they wanted to do things. We did all kind of day trips. We did the shore. We did the uh, the big uh, Meadowlands, um, the Xanadu thing with American Dream. How could I forget that name? We did the indoor uh, park there. We did Six Flags Great Adventure over here. And everything just went perfect. It, it, it was great. Me and my niece... Uh, Closer than ever. It was great seeing her. I miss her like uh, crazy already. But um, yeah, and uh, you know, the the week, week and a half uh, flew by, busy. Uh, we went to my cousin's house, just nonstop stuff. And uh, it, it was a great time. Now I'm back to work, two jobs, busy, like I said, but uh, fun. Everything's good on my end, man. Pizza never hurt nobody. Pizza. Back never... there Sunday. Yeah, it never hurt After nobody. Another, it never hurt nobody. Another birthday party Sunday, a cousin. Then, this is the way it is in New Jersey. You got a lot of cousins. You got a lot of aunts and uncles. Some of them are dead. <laughs> Some of them are still alive. And, um, yeah, then Sunday, my second job. So it's, 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 it's busy, but it's better to be busy than bored, like I always say, man. Well, I had a great uh, summer vacation for the most part. The number one thing I did was watch the Euro, which was so fun. Um, I mentioned on the sportscasters that, and maybe even on here, back in 1994, when Italy played in the World Cup, they were in the final. And my great-grandmother was living at my house at the time. And she was well into her 80s. You know, an old Italian grand- great-grandmother for me. But, you know, just call her a grandmother. And um, she was in the room and I was watching the final. They were playing Brazil. But never in my entire life, and I was 14 at the time, had I ever even heard her mention soccer or football, or have any indication she even knew what that was. Um, also, her eyes weren't great, and she would often complain. She couldn't see that well, although we always kind of assumed that that was a little bit selective. She seen what she wanted to see. Um, but anyway, I'm watching the game. It goes into penalties, and Italy loses on penalty kicks. The best player in the world was on their team, Roberto Baggio, and he kicked it over the net, and they, they lost the World Cup. And I look over, and my great-grandmother is crying. Tears are running down her face. I thought something was wrong with her. I said, Grandma, what is wrong? And she said, oh, I'm so sad for Italy. They love the football so much in Italy. I'm so sad for Italy. And I said, I know. I can't believe it. You know, Roberto Baggio, he kicked it over the net. He's supposed to be the best. She said, oh, he's a son of a bitch. (laughs) Um, and kind of, although I already was rooting for Italy in a way, because I was Italian, my, my love and passion for the Italian national team was born that day. And in 2006, 
when they did win the World Cup on penalties against France, uh, the first thing I did was get in my car and go see my grandmother at the cemetery and let her know that we had avenged the loss from 1994 and put flowers on her grave and um, beautiful. had a moment with her there. But um, I love the Italian national team because it gives me a chance to have pride in my heritage and to have pride in being Italian. And um, it makes me think of my not only my grandma Xenia, but my grandma Paula, um, who've been, you know, both passed away since my grandma Paula in 95, my grandma Xenia in 97. And um, whenever these big tournaments, they're perfect because they're just every couple of years. It's not a lot of commitment. I'm not a big, huge soccer fan. But every two years when they're in the World Cup or when they're in the European Championship, I enjoy those tournaments and I take pride in being Italian and with Paula. With the Euro Championship, the last time was when Paula was born. Like It started like a week after she was born and we would dress her up in little Italian outfits and she was like the Italian, the littlest Italian soccer fan in the world and they made a great run that year. Lost to Germany in, in penalties, but... This summer and this year, it was an amazing tournament. They were the best team from the first. They played the very first game of the tournament against Turkey. They won 3 nothing in Rome. And they were the best team from that day all the way till the end, beating England um, in penalties again. Um, they also beat Spain in penalties in the semis. They're the first team ever to win the Euro with penalties in the semis and the finals. Um, but it was an amazing month of just celebrating my heritage and remembering my grandmothers and celebrating a championship. And honestly, it happened almost two weeks ago now, and I'm still not off the high. I mean, I still spend like an hour a day just lost on videos on hardcore Italians or whatever Instagram page. And I've watched the penalty kicks from the Spain and England match probably 20 times each now. And, um, man, I just can't get over the high of it. Um, You know, it's been rough run for me in sports the last four years with the way the Saints have lost in the playoffs and with the Sabres not playing in the playoffs in 10 years and sports can be a a beautiful friend or a terrible disaster but this is just such an amazing run and there's been a lot going on emotionally and it was fun to just get kind of lost in those games and um, you know just really think of my grandma now that Paul is five you know she was um standing in front of the TV with the Italy hat on for tweets and cheering for Italy. And she was right there when we won. And me and her and my uncle Paul, uh, my grandmother's son, were all jumping up and down. And, you know, we said her. No more Paula Maniac. Paula Manigat. Yes, we had pasta that night. Um, and I love Manigat. Oh, it's one of my favorite things in the world. Um, but, yeah, it was a great, great time for that. And also... Um, you know, spent some time with my nephew and Paula and my mom and wife in Erie, Pennsylvania. Spent a few days out there. And, uh, yeah, it was a good break, but I'm glad to be back with you for sure. Um, for <laughs> sure, for sure. Story. Yeah. Uh, some of our listeners might think, hey, both of these guys, Rollins and Bennett, growing up Italian. What's up with these last names? <laughs> right, obviously, right. obviously, we're half Italian, but we're raised that way in the kitchens with our, right. our moms. And well, our I'm actually more than, I'm more than half. My great... My great-great-grandfather, Bennett, was actually Benedino. I was going to say Benito. Yeah, but when he crossed over at Ellis Island, they changed Ellis his Island. name. Um, they kind of yeah, happened a lot. Yeah, they Americanized it, kind of cut 
the last syllable off and rounded it off with a T too. So yeah, so my my mom's parents are both from Italy, like born in Italy. My my grandmother and grandfather were both born in Italy. My grandmother came over when she was 12 and my grandfather came over when he was like 24, 25, something like that. And then my dad's dad, his dad was born in Italy. And then my dad's mom was born in Ireland. Well, her mom was born in Ireland. So, yeah, so I'm part Irish, but mostly Italian. Um, and, yeah, like you said, I was raised raised very Italian, you know, with my great-grandmother living with me and sauce and big families. And, yeah. but, and, and that's what made this special is that it's a lot different than, when the, than the 80s and the 90s when I was growing up. A lot of people have passed away. The people who have passed away were the glue holding everyone together. People have spread out over the country. The once large family isn't that large anymore. It's now a small family. You know, um, so I really want to raise my daughter to be proud of her Italian heritage. You know, I named her after my grandmother. You know, I've told this story before. Maybe you know it, maybe you don't, Dave. But my great-grandmother was actually born here in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And she was six days old when her mother took her back to Italy because she didn't like it here. Oh, wow. No, I don't know this story. So, okay. So my great-grandmother, her mother and father came to came from Italy and they opened a hotel in Pennsylvania where people who were going from east to west would stop along the way for supplies and a night rest or whatever. And she hated it. So she took my grandmother, her great-grandmother, back to Italy. And my great-grandmother didn't return until the 1940s, right before World War II. She was in her 40s and had two kids and was married to my great-grandfather. Now, the reason she was able to come over with my great-grandmother is because she was an American citizen. She was born here. But they would not let her bring her children right away. Wow. So her, my great-grandmother and my great-grandfather came, to Italy, came from Italy to... New York left my grandmother and her sister. My grandmother was 12. Her sister was four in Italy. And then they did what they had to do. They got the proper clearance and they sent for my grandmother and her sister to come. Well, they had to come alone. So my 12-year-old grandmother took her four-year-old sister by the hand, walked her onto that boat, and held her as tight as she could all the way across the Atlantic Ocean with little food and little water, and this was not a cruise ship, one of the last boats out of Italy to the United States before World War II, she took her four-year-old sister, walked her off the boat onto Ellis Island till they found their parents. And that's Amazing. how she got here. you know. And that kind of bravery you know, is what I want to be a part of my daughter. And... You know, then, of course, my grandmother got Alzheimer's all too young and passed away way too young in 1995. Wow. But, you know, even when in those days she had that same spirit and bravery, um, even though she didn't have her mind. And it's it's the kind of stuff that it's hard to even fathom what that trip must have been like. It's you the know, American dream. You know, I, American dream. I think about going to Florida and we get on a plane. Was it like a four hour plane ride on Southwest? And how miserable I am, and how much I can't wait just to get to Florida and get off the damn plane. 
man, it's we're like, spoiled. Yeah, her and her sister got on a boat, God knows what, you know, alone, 12 years old and 4 years old, and made it all the way across the Atlantic Ocean to New York to reunite with their parents. So, unbelievable bravery, which I can't even imagine. But, you know, with Paula being 5, you know, every time we eat pasta, I tell her, oh, you're eating like a good Italian, you know. Um, really want her to be part of the heritage. I try to speak Italian around her, the little things I know. You know, instead of telling her to stop, I always try to say spatta. You know, I gotta learn from I gotta learn from your family because the only Italian we speak over here in Newark is the curses. Ah, na pazza ma cheese la cheese la mamata. But um, but God bless them, man. Yeah, that, that's a wonderful, beautiful story. Anyway, um, on today's show, which we'll get to in a minute though, but on today's show, Dave, it's your pick. So why don't you tell everyone what we're doing today? Today's show, we're going back. To Daytona Beach, Florida in 1996, one of the biggest, this is a Hulk Hogan podcast, brother, probably in my, this is only my opinion, but the second biggest Hogan event ever to go down, the Bash of the Beach, 1996, it is the big heel turn. So you're Hollywood, saying Mania, Mania 3 and this are the two biggest events, is that what you're saying? That are the big two, in okay. my opinion. All right. I'll think about and, that, uh, but okay. We are coming. It's up to anybody else. It's you know, it's, it's a matter of opinion. But in my opinion, uh, impact wise, right, fair enough. Um, not necessarily my favorites. You know, my favorite might be some house show from the Garden, probably. You know what I'm saying? But uh, impact wise, I would say this is number two, and because it, it turned the wrestling world upside down, my man. And uh, we're going to talk all about it tonight. But two things we got to do before that, and one thing is at the start of episode 14, we talked about a really sad video. That was posted by Paul Orndorff's son. And it kind of showed the kind of shape that Paul was in. And we talked about how sad we were to see him like that. And honestly, my first thought when I heard the news that he had passed away was, oh, good for him. You know, it really felt like his quality of life had been sapped from him. And if that video was a normal day for him and not necessarily like, maybe his worst moment or something like that. This was probably the best outcome for him. Or at least I felt like it was probably a relief. Either way, I'm praying for Paul Orndorff. I'll never forget the wrestler he was, um, the main event of WrestleMania 1, the ultimate betrayal, the cage match on Saturday Night's main event, which is my favorite cage match and my favorite Saturday Night's main event match and such a great memory of my childhood, but... Rest in peace, Paul Orndorff, from me, one of the greats of all time. He'll be missed. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, um, I really loved, um, shout out to his son, Travis, Travis Orndorff. A lot of the, some of the people in the business, in the wrestling business, may not have, uh, may not have liked uh, how Travis sh- shown him in that uh, bad shape in the hospital, eating the uh, ketchup, um, the pepper packs and whatnot. I can kind of see where they're coming from, but I went through this with my uncle, and sometimes you just want, I don't know why. It's just I don't know where it comes from. You just you just want to share this, not thinking of anything maliciously. So I understand where, where Travis came from, and it turned out to be a beautiful thing because Travis took him out of there, and there were videos the week before he passed away of him singing um, John Fogarty in the in the car with with Travis, you know, humming along, happy as could be at home. Uh, Travis gave him a non-alcoholic beer. I don't know if you saw, did you see any of those? Or no, I didn't. Videos? No, that yeah, all great. these follow, yeah, all these follow-up videos and Paul was all cleaned up and haircut. 
I like, did you know, see him get a haircut. I did see that. Yeah, that one. It, yeah. it was right after that. Uh, they started, you know, driving the cars, you know, singing along. I think they were singing "Who'll Stop the Rain," uh, you know, "Credence," one of those songs. Sure. And then uh, he was home drinking. Travis made sure to say it was a non-alcoholic beer, but who? Gi- I, I didn't. Who gives a shit? You know what I mean? You give him a double shot of something at this point. You know, make the guy happy. And uh, he looked. He looked happy. So he went out. Um, you know, he went out the right way, cleaned up and happy. Uh, the way the way uh, it should be. And, and what can you say, Mr. Wonderful? God, what a man's man. That's the first thing you think of in this day and age yep. with so many people that are just a different breed of people that we might have to get used to. Because I love all people no matter what. To some people I'm just not used to. Doesn't mean I don't love them still and respect them. But there's nothing like that old school man's man type of guy that uh, Paul Ondorf was. And that's, that's what I grew up on. And God, that moment when he turned on Hogan, July of 86, that was what hooked me. I knew Hulk Hogan. I had the, you know, the LJN doll. I seen him on the cartoons. I liked him, but I really didn't watch wrestling, really. But somebody told me, hey, uh, Hulk Hogan's friend, you know, beat him up, turned on. I said, I got to see that. And somehow wrestling got turned on and I just I got hooked on, on everybody and, you know, everybody else. All the other wrestlers, you know, Captain Lou and British Bulldogs, Ricky Steamboat, that was it. And now here I am doing this podcast for you. So if it wasn't for Paul, I always say if it wasn't for Hulk Hogan, we wouldn't be here. If it wasn't for Paul Orndorff, I may not be here. God bless him. Hall of Famer, one of the all-time greats. Unfortunately, it's not the only bad news that we got uh, over the break. Also on episode 14, we had a question. Uh, from one of our good friends, Calvin Crowell, asking about figures. I don't remember exactly what it was, but yeah, has the favorite Hasbro. My favorite God, Hasbro. He, yeah, next, that's terrible. I mean, uh, not terrible. You know what I mean? Yeah, and we found out that, that that Calvin passed away at his home in New Jersey. If you're going from our last show, and some people might listen to our last show, Borsuda, and going over to this, that was like the last thing we talked about, and now unfortunately we're yeah. talking about this now. Yeah, Calvin uh, passed away in his home. Details are limited, maybe not important anyway, uh, but he was only 34 years old, uh, and he was one of the best friends I made on the internet. You know, like, it's such a weird feeling. I was telling Dave this, you know, he's someone I feel like I knew so well, but we never met in person, and I didn't know a single person that knew him in his real life, you know, but he was such a sweet guy. He sent Paul a whole box. He was a big collector of figures. And he sent Paul a whole box of loose um, Hasbro figures um, just to do it, just to be a, just to be a good guy because he knew she'd love to play with him. Um, and uh, look, at I did a tribute on the Sportscasters podcast. I did one last thing about it. You can find that on Season 11, Episode 12, I believe. Um, One last thing. So I'm not going to do that again. And, you know, honestly, I was also invited on the Place to Be Nation uh, podcast. I did a tribute to Calvin there. Um, And both times, honestly, I just kind of blacked out and don't even really remember what I said. Um, But I don't want to do that again here. But we did dedicate this episode to Calvin. And um, we obviously wanted to mention it. And, uh, you know, this episode is for him. And um, he'll be missed, and he was loved, 
And I don't know. Is there anything you wanted to say about Cal Dave before we? Yeah, there is. Uh, first of all, uh, first of all, once again, my condolences to you because I know how, how you felt about uh, Calvin. And um, I knew Calvin. Um, you know, never met him in person, but you know, through the the wrestling world and the place to be, etc. I don't talk to the whatever you guys do in a place to be. How you guys converse? I'm really not a part of that. I'm a big listener to the shows, but I'm really not a part of that. So I really didn't get that close with anybody but i have a touching story about calvin with 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 myself that i thought about uh unfortunately you think about things after someone passes i wish i would have thought of this while he was alive and thanked him for it but i guess things just unfortunately don't work that way but um i was in a a a tough time in my life uh with a little bit of a drug problem just a few years ago and uh we were at a a, um so many family members of mine passed away kind of in concurrent at the same time. So I don't know whose wake it was, but my cousin, cousin-in-law, Diane came up to me and said, Hey, I want to take a picture with you outside the funeral parlor, of course. And you know, I'm a ham. So I said, sure. But, but wh- why? But she's like, Oh, I got to send it to this guy that you know, he, he likes you. He looks up to you. I'm like, who? He's like, you're friends with him on Facebook. And I, you know, I accept anybody. So I don't know. So I looked, I go, okay. And we took the picture. And that, in that time in my life, and you'll send it to him. And she sent it to him right there. And he wrote back, you know, something positive about me. And that made me feel really good at at that time in my life. Just some guy, you know, that wanted it. Okay. And since that, around that time, I Steve, even when I was still in my bad period, I started talking to you a little bit, then boom, I got good. I got better. And, um, I would talk to Calvin, you know, here and there, he was an administrator on our 24 inch podcast, uh, Facebook page. I wish I got to know him a little better, but my, like I said, my cousin-in-law was a dear friend of his. She had a, a, a vigil for him um, over there in Sussex County after he passed away. Unfortunately, I, I couldn't go. It, it got with the, when my sister was here from California and all that stuff. Just one of those things. I wish I could have went. But um, yeah, I got, I got that story there. He, he made uh, he made me feel good that time. So wherever we are, Calvin, just let you know you made somebody that you might not have known I was in a bad place, but I was at the time and just for that moment there, you made me feel good. Rest in power, brother. Yeah, and you know, when he passed away, there's this thing we do now. We go to their social media pages, right? And it's a comforting thing, I think, for the people that are here uh, to go there and, and to leave a memory or a thought or a message. And it was amazing to read as they piled up through the course of the next days and weeks um, with people telling stories a lot like yours about how he did this kind of thing for me, or he did this for me. And, um, you know, he was that kind of a guy. You know, I told you what he did for Paula. And it was weird. He messaged me one day, not that long ago, I guess the beginning of the summer. And he said, hey, it's a bucket list item for me to do a podcast with you. And I'm on the Mount Rushmore podcast that's coming up. Will you do it with me? And I said, oh, yeah, of course. Um and I'm just so glad I did because, you know, it's hard for me to believe that that was on his bucket list, but I, I believe him. Um, he was sincere. It's just hard for me to accept just as a maybe a person who doesn't have the self-esteem he should sometimes. But um, I hear you. You know, but I just, you know, I'm so glad I did it. And it makes me feel so good that we did that together, you know, and that's there forever. And we had a lot of fun actually doing it that night. And I remember um, we had we had the. Um before we start, I believe it was before we started the 24 inch podcast, but not too long before. Me and you were conversing a lot this time. We had the scare that he had passed away. 
Yeah, the, it was sort of the same thing. Like one day, so what happened was he had switched jobs and someone that he worked with was trying to be sweet and wrote a thing about how he was gone. I think that was my cousin or or, or, or her friend. Her friend, yeah. Uh, it was her friend, but you end up calling the cousin. Correct. Um, her friend was trying to say gone from the job, but the way she wrote it sort of clumsily led people to believe he had passed away. And I called him and I said, dude, are you dead? And he answered, he said, no. I'm not dead, and we got a laugh out of it. And you had called even your cousin. if he answered yes, I think we would have been okay. But <laughs> right, um, so it's kind of this weird thing. So then when it happened again, and the first message showed up, and I started getting pings from people in the place to be nation or whatever, um, my first thought was I should call him, and I did, and obviously he didn't answer this time. But um, yeah, that. It's just such a weird thing, and I've been struggling with this a lot, Dave, just like this idea of, you know, you know, I've been struggling a little bit with guilt. You know, did I give him the wrong advice? Because he would always ask me for advice with his health problems and his back problems. He found some inspiration in my health journey, and maybe the things that were best for me weren't best for him, and did I advise him wrong or give him the wrong advice should i have done more from him for him you know my brother's been within an hour of him all year should i have sent him to him or something i don't know it's i know it's silly but it's just it's what you do you well, know i think you did i think you represented him well because um any podcast thing on before we got doing podcasts anytime you're on the place to be nation it's my favorite show of theirs, and then you and uh, Peter would do the uh, Adams Division podcast, and any of those shows, you know, maybe once a month, something like that. You know, I'm not a sports guy, so I didn't really listen to the sportscasters. Honestly, we know that already. But all that stuff that had anything to do with wrestling with you would be my favorites, and I believe you mentioned him every time, on somehow on those shows. Well, yeah, I think we kind of connected a little bit on our place in the whole place to be universe was similar. And, you know, I think I was kind of breaking through in a way, breaking breaking past what I think my expectation was when I maybe joined the group. And um, I was wanting to bring him with me. You know, I'm that kind of guy, no matter where I get, I always want to bring my friends with me. You know, I'm not the kind of guy who wants to go alone and leave everyone behind. So I always wanted to bring him with me. So I guess that was that. But, um, yeah, uh, this shows for him today and we'll, we'll be thinking of him. And um, and 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 that's that. So that if you want to hear more on this, like I said, I did a tribute on the Place to Be podcast, and I did one on the twenty four inch, or excuse me, the Sportscasters, and now on the twenty four inch podcast. And with all that said, Dave, it's time to get back to work. Uh, summer's over. Get at it. Rest in peace, Calvin. We're gonna take a break, and when we come back, we're gonna talk about WCW and the NWO and Hulk Hogan and the Third Man and everything. That goes with that. So we'll be right back. For life. Thank you for listening to the 24-Inch Podcast. Don't forget to check out my other podcast, The Sportscasters, 10 Years in the Making. You can find it on Twitter at sports underscore caster or download episodes wherever you found this podcast. 
You can find the 24-inch podcast on Twitter as well. We're at the number two, the number four, the word inch podcast at 24-inch podcast. Email us at 24inchpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget about our friend Peter Winson and greeting from Allentown. It's at GF Allentown Pod. Twenty-four inch podcast back. Summer break is over. Tributes are over. The small talk is over, um, and it's time to talk about the bash at the beach. And of course, we're talking about the nineteen ninety-six bash at the beach, which is one in a series of recurring WCW pay-per-views. And Dave, you would agree, as more of a WCW expert than I am, that. Starcade was their biggest pay-per-view and reoccurring event, but Bash at the Beach was in the top four, five. Where does it? Yeah, well, Starcade, like Dusty sit? says, like Dusty says, is the granddaddy of them all. But it seems like when Hogan first came in, those first couple of years, Bash at the Beach was almost like like Starcade's one A and Star, uh, Bash at the Beach one B. And then as time went on, they started when Hogan Sting started happening in '97. They started lead. Okay, Starcade is. That's our WrestleMania. But it seemed like right at the beginning of Hulk's run, they were trying to edge in Bash at the Beach neck and neck with it. Right. Well, it, start, it started on July 17th, 1994 at Amne Arena with Ric Flair versus Hulk Hogan uh, for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. And then the 95 edition also had Hulk in the main event, this time as champion against Vader in a steel cage. And tonight's show um, at the Ocean Center... In Daytona Beach, Florida, has the Outsiders, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, versus Sting, Lex Luger, and Randy Savage. And, of course, they had a third partner who wasn't announced, and eventually that would be Hulk. Mm, I wonder who that is. But we'll get to all that. First, we mentioned, um, you know, the way we look at it, because we usually give a bio of a Hulk Hogan, you know, of the opponent or whatever, and... One of the opponents is Savage. We're not going there yet. Uh, one of the opponents is Sting. We're not going to go there yet. Um, so that left us with the option of Luger. Or we could even do Hall or Nash. Um, so for whatever reason, we landed on Scott Hall. Um, and Scott was born Scott Oliver Hall on October 20th, 1958. Um, he was born in St. Mary's County, Maryland. Uh, he's currently in Georgia. He's lived a crazy life. He's billed six foot seven, two hundred and eighty-seven pounds. Um, maybe most known, at least in my view of the wrestling world, as Razor Ramon. What I never knew, you know, until I got in the know, is that his career started all the way back in 1984. Um, when he was in the NWA, the Florida Territory, Championship Wrestling from Florida. And, um, you know, he started in some pretty big feuds pretty early with Dusty Rhodes. Um, him and Dan Spivey, Spivey trained together. Man, it seems like Dan Spivey comes up in a lot of these bios, doesn't he? He sure does. What a tag team that is. Yeah, he, he trained in Florida, mainly under Rhodes, but also under Barry Windham and Mike Rotunda. Um, they debuted as a tag team. They got sent to work in Charlotte and Jim Crockett. And they debuted as American Starship. Hall, under the ring name Starship Coyote, 
And Spivey under the ring name? Oh, I have no idea. Starship Eagle. <laughs> um, at first, they were booked to wrestle in frequently, so much so that the two uh, were given ground crew jobs um, for the Charlotte Orioles, which is the baseball team that Jim Crockett owned at the time. Um, but when they did get in the ring, it wasn't great. Uh, the highlight of their stay in Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling was losing a challenge to... Oh, jeez. An NWA tag team, the champions at the time. Rock and Roll Express. Arn and Ole Anderson. I don't know. Two years, unless uh, I guess the uh, Hall and Spivey were, were faces. And then they left Crockett to join... Bob Geigel's NWO Central Central States, which was in Kansas City at the time. And they had a shot at Marty Jannetty and Bulldog Bob Brown, who were the champions of the territory. Uh, But they lost the match. Spivey stayed in this territory. Um, And Hall went to the Carolinas in Crockett, where he was a jobber, essentially. Um... But then he got back to Central States, and he received a solid push there. Uh, He moved on to the AWA. He was there for about four years. Um, Then he came back to championship wrestling in 1989. Um, And during that run, uh, he was working with Pillman and Sid Vicious, among other people. He teamed with... Uh, are we talking AWA or we're talking WCW? WCW now? in 1989. He uh, teamed he with Diamond, Diamond Stud. Teamed with well, he, he did do one match with Vinnie Vegas, Kevin Nash, he but te- Diamond Dallas Page. He teamed with Randy Rhodes. Rose, excuse me, not the guitar, oh, the guitar player. The guitar player, not the guitar player. <laughs> in a losing effort against DP managed them against the Freebirds. Um, the Freebirds and Danny Spivey. Um. He also had some action against them. He got his first victory on June 29th when he pinned Rip Morgan in Salisbury, Maryland. And then he did a program with Bill Irwin. Uh, in 1990, he got uh, he had a tryout with the WWF at a house show in August of 87 at a challenge taping. And in that match, he was defeated by... In August of 90? August of 90 tryout at a WWF challenge taping. He had a singles match, which he did not win. Who beat him? Shane Douglas. Paul Roma. Mm, that was close. Yep. Uh, shortly after that, excuse me, he joined New Japan. Um, spent some time there. He was also at Catch Wrestling Association. Um, everyone knows the Catch Wrestling Association. Did some time there. World Wrestling catch, Council. Catch I mean, this guy's just a journeyman of journeymen. And that's and so b- before so early. He's already a journeyman. Yeah, paying his dues, bouncing all the way around until finally he gets his big break in the WWF as Razor Ramon, a shady and stylish Cuban American bully from Miami. He gets his huge break there, and eventually, him and Kevin Nash um, leave the territory to go back to WCW for a ton of money, where they start. The Outsiders gimmick, which leads us to this night. Scott Hall, Dave, your thoughts? Uh, always one of my favorites. And what, what stands out in Scott Hall is when um, 
Hogan jumped to WCW. Um, such a fanatic Hulk, and especially losing Mean Gene and Bobby Heenan, too. I really got down to the WWF, and I wanted WCW to be the WWF. I wanted the red, white, and blue ropes. I wanted, you know, everything WWF, but it just wasn't. But I still liked it better because Hulk and Bobby were there. But the one thing that got me excited still to go to the garden and go to the Meadowlands right in my backyard was Razor Ramon. He was still cool. Shawn Michaels, in my opinion, as a face, was lame. Diesel, they neutered him given the belt. Lame. But not Razor Ramon. He was one of the cool kids still. And he kept me in uh, in my territory still. So nothing. And then when he went home, jumped over to WCW and started started the whole NWO thing, man. It was just coolest guy in the room. Well, since you went there, um, I never got into this. Never got into WCW. And, and here, here's why, I guess. You know, I wrote, I got into wrestling almost exactly when you did. And right through SummerSlam 92 was essentially an everyday fan. Um, in that fall, I made a big jump up in hockey, um, started practicing with the high school team, even though I was only going into the seventh grade and um, had less and less time for wrestling. And um, when I would watch wrestling, um, I still watched WWF. Then when Hogan left and I knew he was in WCW and I knew Bobby was there and Jesse was this guy, that guy, this guy, I tried to watch it, but I just didn't like how it looked. I agree with that. I didn't like the black ropes and the production was bad and it just didn't look like wrestling looked to me. It seemed like Hulk was lowering himself a little bit. And I I love Hulk. I loved Hulk, but I just couldn't do it. And I just drifted more and more away from wrestling essentially until I got kind of brought back in right around this time. Um, Well, maybe the next year. Kind of the lead up to SummerSlam 97 in New Jersey was kind of when I really started to get back and watching every day and getting into Austin and getting WWF. That was a good one. And I was I, at that one. And I knew they were behind, and I just wanted to be – I wanted to be with my team. You know, I just felt like a kinship to them. You know, maybe as someone who grew up in team sports, I just felt like I was on that team. You know, that, that was – I didn't know the word territory, I don't think, at the time, but <laughs> that was my territory, and I just loved Austin and just – Got into his career and loved Brett and followed Brett until he left at the, you know, end of '97, which was a disappointment. I was really disappointed about that. Yeah, I take that back. I, I also I loved Razor, but I also still liked Brett. But yeah, Shawn Michaels as Shawn Michaels as the Heartbreak Kid as a heel, great. But when they made him a face and it didn't alter the gimmick, what you know, I was 15, 16, but even what nine year old boy. Wants to see a guy skipping around with a, a beret on backwards and dangling earrings and pulling his pants down like Playgirl magazine. That's a heel. That's not a face. Right. I, I just and, don't get their thinking on that, on that character. And I was kind of out still then. By the time I came back, I was mostly following the Austin versus Can- the U.S.-Canada thing, you know. And oh, I was good. Oh, we got WWF was better, definitely better at that time. You know, because I was, I guess, sort of out from late 92 until sometime in 97 when I jumped back in. And then I just rode the Hart Austin thing, you know, straight into, you know, Stone Cold, DX, 
WrestleMania 14 is my first WrestleMania back. And Austin wins the title, starts reign of Austin. The money so you, you you basically uh, stepped out for the almost a whole new generation. Right, I kind of missed that that right period for the attitude era. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So and and the WWF I guess was good enough when I came in, just to stick with that. And and I just couldn't. I didn't like the announcers, the way they talked. I don't know. It just wasn't my thing. But anyway, um, so I never quite got there. Um, but Bash at the Beach, as we said, kind of starts. Um, there's a little bit of history here. So in 1992 and 93, uh, WCW held a beach-themed pay-per-view known as Beach Blast, which was the forerunner to Bash at the Beach. The 92 show was in June instead of July, which was reserved for the Great American Bash. Um, that, along, was, that was always confusing. Those two pay-per-views are so similar. I know. Back to back. Along with Slambury, Starcade, and Super Bowl, the Great American Bash and Halloween Havoc. Bash at the Beach was booked to be one of their flagship events. Um, Bash at the Beach marked three major turning points during Hulk Hogan's career. During 94, he made his in-ring debut. Uh, in 96, he turned heel, which we're going to talk about tonight. And then in two, 2000, it was his final appearance for the company when he defeated... Double J, baby. Jeff Jarrett. For the WCW Championship. But he was soon stripped of the title and fire, fired on air by... A good friend of mine, Vince Russo. Um, which led to litigation between Hogan and WCW. Um, with a series of events whose authenticity are still to question in this day. And also, uh, Steve, real quick, also... Uh, uh, they skipped over the 97 and 98 Bash of the Beaches, which were very important because he teamed with Dennis Rodman, the worm, in both of those. Uh, yeah. Which... And, I, you know, I just I just heard today, before we went on air here, that the Surreal Life is making a return with uh, Dennis Rodman, Stormy Daniels, and Lana from WWE. Oh, I love Lana. Um, oh, yeah. One, I always talk about how I love Howard Stern. And before one of the Bash of the Beach events... Howard Stern and Dennis Rodman came on to the Stern show to promote it, but the big talk that morning was about Dennis Rodman's recent date with Robin Quivers. Um, so a legendary um, appearance, which I believe I did send to our friend Tim in one of my many emails where I send him Stern stuff. Shout out to Tim. Boobs and basketball. In March of 2001, the WWF acquired WCW and a majority of its assets, which included all of its championships and intellectual properties. Uh, so that means that includes the Bash at the Beach. Um, they have revived some of the old pay-per-views over the years, such as the Great American Bash. But Bash at the Beach was never one that was reissued by WWE. However, in 2014... Um, all of the Bash at the Beach pay-per-views showed up on the network. Now, here's a plot twist. WWE no longer owns the rights to Bash at the Beach trademark as it was left to expire in 2004-2005. Cody Rhodes, the executive vice president for oh, AEW, geez. a promotion founded in January of 2019, trademarked the name in 2019 for the use in the company as it was created by his father, Dusty Rhodes. AEW Bash at the Beach, which was held as a two-part special of their flagship program, Dynamite, 
took place on January 15, 2020 and continued with Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at sea on January 22nd. You might as well sold it to the 14-year-old kids playing wrestling in the backyard down the street here in Kearney, New Jersey, if you're going to sell it to Cody Rhodes and Tony Khan. But later that year, in August, however, Cody's trademark was officially denied. Oh, it's wonderful. So I don't know where that leaves it standing. Uh, But all in all, WCW put on seven of these events, and they went from 1994 to 2000. And three of them, Dave, were at the Ocean Ocean Center, um, which was a 2005-square-foot building. And it was inaugurated on October 5th, 1985, and renovated in 2009. That's right. It's still with us. So I believe um, TNA uh, did a couple shows there when they were kind of at their somewhat peak, maybe in 2009-ish, 10-ish. The 2009 renovations, they put some good money into it. $82 bucks um, that they put into it. It holds um, uh, close to 10K. Uh, give or take, depending on the event. And uh, like for a basketball game, it holds about 8,020. Using the floor, you can get 9,312 in there. Um, some of the tenants over the years, the Daytona Beach Sun Devils and the Breakers of the SHL, the Southern Hockey League. Uh, the T- Daytona Beach Hogs of the NIFL. The Daytona Beach Thunder. And the Daytona Beach Thunderbirds of the Arena Football League version 2. I bet they were never on the sportscasters. <laughs> yeah. In 1985, the Ocean Center opened with 60,000 square feet of exhibit space and 18 breakout rooms. Christian pop singer. <clears throat> Striper. Amy Grant performed the first concert at the Ocean Center on October 3rd. 1995, singing to 2,938 people. But I had the, no idea she was a Christian singer. But two days later, the grand opening act performed in front of a crowd of 7,368 was performed by... Give me a hint. Might get it. Um, it's a, His last name is also a city in the United States. And it's 1985. October third, nineteen eighty five. Oh, Saturday night's main event number two. Yeah. <laughs> um, can't get wrestling off the brain, brother. It's a disease. Uh, uh, Don't go uh, messing Tony. with this guy, Dave. Ooh, that sounds like Hillbilly Jim to me. But his last name's not a, not a state. Oh, uh, this guy's no longer with us. He tragically passed away on October twelfth, nineteen ninety seven, in an aviation accident. He's recorded approximately 300 songs, 200 which he composed. He had 33 albums and 33 million albums sold. His music has appeared on a variety of charts, including Country, The Billboard 100, um, Adult Contemporary. He's got glasses, usually, um, and his name is a city in in Colorado. I'm going to pull a Martha Hart and throw the towel in. 
All right. John Denver. Oh, my Aunt Solomon concert. Me and a friend of mine, Jerry Stewart, he doesn't know how to play a podcaster. He would enjoy that that name, but he'll never hear this. <laughs> They've had some notable <laughs> events, Dave. This is always our, one of our favorite things to uh, to break down. What was that? The Ocean Center? Well, how about the Harlem Globetrotters, Dave? Oh, yeah. How about a good little basketball game there? How about the uh, Larry the Cable Guy telling some jokes in the place? Larry the Cable Guy, sure. I'm uh, Harlem Globetrotter. I'm the Lamont. What's his name? Lamarck. Uh, he was on different strokes. Big uh, Harlem Globetrotters player. Lamont. Oh, it's not important. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, Lamarck. Lamarck. Let me you think. You talking about Dizzy English? Uh, Money Mayweather or Merriweather? Lucky. Um, Trying to think of guys who I know. Saul White. Um, I'm wasting time. Go. We'll, we'll talk about it another time. All right. Uh, where was I? After Dave derailed me there. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was home to a few um, Bethune Cookman University basketball games. Um, WWE Live, the Miss Teen USA pageant, which Dave's banned from. Um, <laughs> Sesame Street has been there. I'm also banned from Sesame Street. Also banned from that. <laughs> U.S. figure skating classic, including Tara Lipinski, Michelle Kwan. Um, some concerts, Dave. Uh, Gloria Estefan, a Florida. Um, Eric Clapton. Miami so, Sound Machine. Eric Clapton was there, meaning... Vaccinated and unvaccinated alike were in attendance. I saw that it. today. Me, me and my friend sent that text back and forth a bit. Tom so Petty and the Heart, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Pitbull, Maroon Five, and Ariana Grande. Tom Petty, one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, a bunch of information about World Championship Wrestling being there on June 29th, 2019. AEW held their Frighter Fest event. Fighter Fest. Fighter Fest? They spell that weird. Why do they spell that like that? I think it's for the Y. I think actually um, last night's Dynamite was, was, was Fighter Fest. I don't want a bunch of neckbeards emailing us now telling me it wasn't Fighter Fest and they spell it with a Y because of this. We don't want to hear from you, neckbeards. We don't like AEW. Go on. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, the Ocean Center hosted the entire 2021 College Basketball Invitational. Um, whatever that is. They had... Uh, a team in the Sunshine Hockey League, other events, the Daytona Beach Garden Show, the Home Show, National Youth Football Championships, um, a lot of events um, at the Ocean Center, uh, which is still with us. You can still go to Daytona Beach and uh, have an event there. And it's not only an arena, but a convention center. is all the rooms that we mentioned, um, all kinds of different places to uh, spend some time. I think the, it's like a big uh, Harley Davidson, you know, area Daytona yeah. Beach. Oh yeah, well, so I get yeah. a lot of that. I've been there. I've been to Daytona Beach. Have you? Yeah, I went to Excellent. the 1995 Daytona, not the 500, but the second race they have every year in July. And uh, I went with my uncle, who loved races, and he would take me on vacations. If I would go to, agree to go to the race with him, I would get to do all the other stuff, which you know, this time was all kinds of cool stuff in Florida, um, and. It poured and was a rain-shortened race, which was perfect for me because half of the race oh. was enough. And uh, that's too bad, Steve. It wasn't one year later. So it was 1996. You could have been rumored to be the third man, brother. That I, I was anyway. There was a lot anyway. of buzz. Yeah, a I lot of buzz that I could here. have been at. Um, you are on my list there on the bottom. That leads us, Dave, to your time to shine. 
This is when I take a seat back, I turn my mic down, I eat a Twizzler, and I listen to Dave, Hollywood Dave Rollins, the man that I handpicked to be the second mic on this show. Uh, This is your time, Dave, to shine and tell us, where was Hulk Hogan this month? It is my Scatman Crothers part of the show, because it's my time to shine, brother. You do it. Here we are. The Hulkster, no action, no action around this time. He is in the Denver, Colorado mountains filming a big, big moneymaker called the Three Ninjas High Noon Mega Mountain. I believe this is part three or four to that amazing movie, The Three Ninjas. I'm kidding, obviously. But um, Hulk, uh, you know, he saw some of this stuff going on on WCW TV. He was on a hiatus since April. And he saw Hall and Nash get in there and he had Eric Bischoff come up. He had a case of beer up in the mountains. And he said, Easy E, that money train ain't leaving without me, brother. Who's the third man? And Eric said, Sting. And Hogan said, Fuck that. It's me. And that's the end of the story there. And uh, that's it for Hulk. So, one better. If we're not going to do any more for Hulk, we'll do the next best thing. How about a little Hollywood Dave Rollins, where I was at this time? Uh, we had two big wrestling events that I attended leading right up to the Bash of the Beast. All right. uh, one, one week earlier, Sunday night, June 30th. At the theater at Madison Square Garden was my very first WCW event in front of 4,500 fans. Myself, Uncle Tito, Chad Tzikowitz, friend of the show, Anthony Pagano, friend of the show, uh, attended this event. And I'm not going to waste the time with the whole show. I'm going to give you some highlights. The main event, Macho Man Randy Savage and Ric Flair with Bruno Sammartino, the pop he got returning to the garden. I remember that that night. He was a festival guest referee. And uh, a big uh, thing from this show was Conan wrestled the Taskmaster, and Conan was getting heckled by some of the neckbeards in the crowd yelling ECW, ECW, even though I, I definitely enjoyed ECW. It's still Me in 1996. Too. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, I, w- I was there to see WCW, so I'm not that kind of fan. But Conan got agitated by this, and he was the first person to refer to ECW Arena as the bingo hall right there in uh, the theater at Madison Square Garden. That that term went to live on forever to this day. And uh, also Sting wrestled the Giant that day, and the big buzz in that crowd about the third man. A few days later, me, Chet, and Anthony, and Soup, no Uncle Tito, we found our way to the Meadowlands in front of 7,500 fans for the World Wrestling Federation. They had a big out, yeah. They had a big outdoor party this day at tailgate. They had a giant inflatable Undertaker. Sonny was out there interacting with the crowd, not interacting with the crowd the way she does today, but interacting, <laughs> interacting from a distance. Uh, it would have been nice if she, if she was doing it uh, at that time uh, the way yeah. she does today. Yeah. But um, it was uh, Shawn Michaels against Vader inside the arena, and also Mankind and the Undertaker. Wasn't that really cool to see that live? And this is the first time that my friends and I, we may have, you could do this back then. We, I think we snuck in some skunked beer because I was like 16. Mm. You know, we took a few. And I think we had it in the Meadowlands bathroom. And we, people listening to my area will understand this, Steve, this will mean nothing to you. But we walked home from East Rutherford to Kearney. Now, a car ride is 10 minutes, but a walk is, is a couple hours. And we walked home, uh, you know, cutting up and carrying on New Jersey style, 16 years old, getting ready. For the third man, two days later, on pay-per-view. That's it for me. All right. I love it. Good job, Dave. Making uh, chicken salad out of chicken shit there with not much Hulkster activity. You know it. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to read the news from July of 1996. 
Uh, then we're going to go over this show match by match. Then we'll talk about the third man and the match itself, the main event. We'll do all that, and we'll give some ratings too. So we'll take a break, and we'll be right back. Twenty-four inch podcast. Dave Rowland, Steve Bennett, back here for the third segment of the first episode after the first ever twenty-four inch podcast summer vacation. There was some good. There was some bad. Italy won the Euro. Champions of Euro and two paisans are going to take you the rest of the way here. First, hey, Dave. It's time to read the news. July 1st, Dave, 1996. Dave, where do you think you were? Let's Give me a... I know where I was. Give me a picture of what Dave Rollins was like on July 1st, 1996. What was going on in your life? What were you doing? I, I was on the... How far have day. you gotten sexually so far at this point? You know, like, where are you in terms of your development as a man? <laughs> on this, I guess I was... Uh, uh, sophomore going into junior year. Uh, if we're going to go that way sexually, I wasn't um, there yet. Uh, I was second maybe, base, second so, base yeah, at this point. Yeah, some, somewhere around there, but I was still in my bathroom. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I was, got into was, second was base. A little, little bit of making out, a little bit of touching over the shirt. <laughs> second base. And uh, the, the girls the girls were first, like with older guys, and then we caught up. Right, you know, sure. friends, yep. That's the way it goes. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, back then, I don't know how it works today. But uh, July 1st, 1996, I was down the shore, Point Pleasant. Uh, my Uncle Tito and Aunt Dee had me and my friend Chet down there uh, doing the beach, doing that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, we would separate for them, and me and Chet would walk on the boardwalk and stuff. But we got back to my Aunt Claire's house in Point Pleasant to watch WCW Monday Nitro from Landover, Maryland, the Capitol Center. Because remember, the night before, I was in the theater at the Garden for that house show I just told you back, right. told you about. So the very next day, the Monday night, it came from Landover, Maryland, the Capitol Center, a WWF home base, and here's WCW. That's where Hall and Nash sat in the front row with the tickets. I mean, we were we were excited for this, Steve. Like WrestleMania three level. This this was it was big, it was big news. Well, and uh, yeah, it was just living life, man, having fun, just the same way I am now. I didn't, I never changed much. I don't know if you noticed. <laughs> well, for me, the summer of '96 here. I was 15, wouldn't turn 16 until September 1st, but uh, I was playing summer hockey with a lot of the kids who would eventually be on my high school team that year. It was going to be my third year varsity, and I was a very confident and cocky um, hockey player at the time. I was, in my mind, going to be the third best player in the league um, as a junior, which was, you know, freshman year is just amazing. I was on the team. You know, sophomore year, I started to get a little bit of a roll. But in my mind, 
As a junior, I was going to be one of the best players in the league, and I was actually working very hard during the summer, playing summer hockey. Um, like I said, I had gotten to second base at this point, a little bit of making out, a little bit of touching a boob over the shirt. Um, nothing under the shirt, I don't think, yet. Um, definitely rubbing him out um, privately. Wait, hold on. I, don't, I don't know if over the shirt counts to second base. No. you Not wouldn't. over here in Jersey. No. Oh, no. See, to, us, mean, so to us, it was always first is making out, second is boobs. Third yeah, is yeah. No, yeah, it's vagine, boobs, fingering it's the boobs. vagine. It's not, it's not with a shirt over the boobs. It's uh, boobs. Exposed. Okay. So what do you Second. what do you call like having them in your hands? And uh, yeah, I don't it? know. What do you that's, call that's, that? Some, that's somewhere in the middle that can't just be explained. Maybe stealing first base that's, and getting thrown out at yeah. second. Or the Steve Bennett way. I don't know. I always thought in my mind I'd gotten to second base. Uh, if, you know, if, you know what? Good enough. If that's what you think, then that's what it was. Yeah. And I mean, you know, uh, I also think I slept with Jessica Simpson. So, yeah, well, that must have been awesome. Congratulations. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's real, basically where I was in my life. Stuff, uh, you know. Let's see, my brothers were five and ten, so I was at my house with my two brothers. They're young. We used to always walk to the um, to the corner store, which was called Gancy's, to get slush puppies every day in the summer. And I think like. Seven or eight times over the course of the summer, my brother Greg dropped his. Um, <laughs> which the best, the best part was this one time. So I brought me, me, and my two brothers, and my friend. And we were walking down to the store. We got our slush puppies. We we're walking back, and my friend picked up a piece of moldy bread that was on the, oh no, on the ground, and threw it at my brother Greg, and it hit him right in the hands. And his slushy dropped like in slow motion to the ground, and he started screaming and ran home the rest of the way, like to tell on us and everything. And then my friends and I wrote a parody song to the um, about a girl, and it was like I take some moldy no, bread song. and I throw it at Gregory's head, and it hits his stupid ass slushy. I don't know, I don't remember exactly, but it was something like that. I take just, just some really, moldy bread. Really goes, really goes with the time very well. <laughs> I take some moldy bread and I throw it at Gregory's head. <laughs> That's funny. Um, all right. In the world, July 1st, the Canadian NHL franchise, the Winnipeg Jets, officially moves to Arizona, Dave, to be named the Phoenix Suns. Coyotes. <laughs> And they are now the Arizona Coyotes for whatever reason. Um, and the Winnipeg well, and the Winnipeg Jets way. are back. So. It's like Arizona Cardinals was uh, Phoenix was Phoenix, right? They called the Phoenix first. Yeah, they must have changed over everything. Um, also on July first, Placido Domingo Taliano becomes the artistic director of Washington Opera. Hey, the opera like in the Three Stooges when they were throwing the olives in the opera guys. Uh, Mouth. That's what it reminds me of. Yeah, big news on New York television, Dave. Maybe you were caught up in this. Yeah, may. WBSI-TV replaces WNYC on Channel 31. Channel 31. I was going to say that. Yeah, I remember 31. Yeah, uh, I think on my cable, I think some of the, they would, they would I know NJN 21, it, it, it was 21, a PBS station, but I think it was, it, we got it on like another channel. Okay. 31. God, I I remember it in a TV guide. Seeing it, you know, when it was in the black and the TV guide meant it was local. Yep. Or if it was in the white, yep. it meant maybe it maybe you didn't get it. 
and I think it was in the black, but I I just don't I don't recall uh, watching anything on it, but but I'm familiar with it. Well, this was huge, Dave. On July 4th, Hotmail, a free internet email service, begins. Do you have a Hotmail account, Dave? No, but I I, I definitely remember that. My do you? Of, yeah, one of my best friends, Matt, still has Sir underscore Billiter at Hotmail dot com. If you're listening to this right now, email Matt, Sir underscore Billiter, B-I-L-L-I-T-E-R at Hotmail.com. Tell him to get a new fucking email address. Wow, back in 96. So yeah, I guess there was, you know, AOL was definitely around then. Yeah. And uh, you know what I had back then? Maybe even a little after that. Because I'm always late to the party. I'm still late to the party. I'm not a... Some people over here in Jersey, we're just not... We're old school. We're not very technical. But uh, um, Web TV... Oh, okay. <laughs> I remember get, trying to get my Motley Crue tickets in like 99, 1999 using web TV. <laughs> July 4th, Hotmail. Oh, I read that one already. July 4th, the 29th annual San Diego Comic Con International wow. opens at there the were, San there Diego Convention that long ago. Yeah. I'm kidding. I love the Comic Con. Have you ever I mean, been I, to I, a I Comic mean, Con? I actually, I mean, I've been to so many wrestling cons and rock and roll cons and Sopranos. Well, I've been to one Sopranos con. You, you catch what I mean. Right. The actual Comic Con, I have never been to, but I'm kidding saying geek. They, well, they are geeks, but I'm one of the geeks. I would enjoy it. But it's like I go to the um, the Chiller Theater here in New Jersey, but it's getting, I mean, you got to pay a lot to get in, and then all the autographs are like crazy amount of money. I remember going in one in pain and, and, and then going by the growing pains table and there's uh, Jerry, M- Jerry Miller, Ben, and I'm talking to him and I'm, and I'm like, you know what, man, I'm sorry that I'm like bothering you and I'm not paying. He's like, I don't give a shit, bro. What the hell do I care? We're just two guys bullshitting and we like talked for like 20 minutes. You know, I, I didn't pay him a dime. So if you're listening, Jeremy Miller, whatever you're doing for work right now. He's a now, big fan. Yeah, he's a big fan. Yeah, you're a good guy. You never know. Yeah. He's a good guy. But, uh, yeah, I mean, all of the wrestling conventions, too, you pay to get in, and I still got to pay for autographs. But I guess because it's different with me with, with, with wrestling. You know what I mean? Now I'm doing it in other branches of things. It gets a, it gets a little, uh, you know, too much. All right, Dave, I want you to focus, okay? I'm focused. I want you to think about the history of this segment before I ask you this question. So focus. The that- just, just, just keep in mind we've been down this road before. All right. Mm. On July 6th, Arancha Sanchez Vicario loses 6-3-7-5 to this woman's tennis player who earns her 20th Grand Slam title and her 7th Wimbledon crown. She would later go on to marry Andre Agassi. Dave, who is this women's tennis player? And I remind you, this question has been asked of you before when the answer was this person before. And ma- Steffi. Oh, oh, what? Steffi Graf. You got it. Steffi Graf. I got good a good job. memory. Good That's job. That's the only reason why I got a good memory. Good job. Steffi Graf. And then uh, on July 7th, uh, Richard Krejcik becomes the first Dutchman uh, to win uh, Wimbledon. Tell him to go suck an egg because July 7th, Hulk Hogan turned heel. <laughs> and you know what's interesting? That's not listed here. I know. Uh, so I thought that was kind of interesting. July seventh, yeah. Nelson Mandela steps down as president of South Africa. Mm. Um, July Colonel De Beers took over right here. July eighth, uh, the British girls group, the Spice Girl, released Whoa. their debut single. 
if you want to be my lover, I that's guess. right. In the want to be in the UK, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, I had um senior high school. It's kind of embarrassing. I was pretty much one of the cool kids. No, I was one of the cool kids, and um, I had uh, you know, I would always wear a baseball cap, whatever, you know, Errol Pastel or whatever the hell it was, Abercrombie and bitch or whatever it was, and I would put Spice Girl stickers in the day. Isn't that weird? I think it's weird. All right, how many Spice Girls can you name? Okay, um, Ginger Spice. Okay, which is Jerry, right? The Redhead. Yeah. Uh, Baby Spice. Okay. Posh Spice. Okay. Uh, the African-American girl, uh, Scary Spice. Yep, Mel B, right? right? I'm, Mel B. All right, I'm, I'm missing... Am I missing... You're missing one. You're missing... Um, let's see, you got... So now you got Scary Spice. You said Emma Bunton, who is Baby Spice. Um, you said uh, uh, Jerry Hallowell, who was uh, the one that's married married to uh, what's his name? Yep, Beckham, Victoria Beckham. Yeah. You said her, Posh Spice. Yeah. So you're missing Melanie. Who is Melanie? What, is, what was her gimmick? Yeah, uh, so, that's uh, giving it away. That's what you're missing. Sporty Spice. Sporty, Sporty spice. spice. There you go. You got it. Got him. All right, July 9th, the 67th Major League Baseball All Star Games won by the NL. Uh, six to nothing, and uh, you know what I need to know from you, Dave, is um, who is the MVP of the 1996 Major League Baseball All Star Game, Dave? I mean, I just named all the Spice Girls. And I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you some hints. I'll give you a couple hints. All right, one, he's a paisan. Uh, two, he was drafted like in the 60th round as a favor to. His godfather, who was um, the Dodgers manager, Tommy Lasorda. But he was eventually... WrestleMania, WrestleMania 2 alumni. Uh, WrestleMania 2. He was eventually traded to the Mets. And if you ask Mike... Oh, Mike Piazza. Mike Piazza. There you go. You got it. Mike Piazza. Well, I'm on a roll tonight. You are, on? You are on a roll. Uh, the Senate was on a roll on July 9th. They approved a 90-cent raise to the minimum wage... What do you think minimum wage became after a 90 cent raise of it in July 9th? And we were working minimum wage jobs around this time, Dave. So what, do you remember? Yeah, 96? Yep. Uh, eight something? 4.25. In 96? 4.25. That's how much I made my first job, 4.25. Yeah, I was working since 94 in the summertime. Yeah. That's a whole other story. But I, I don't even think I like even – I just didn't want to do it. I just took my money and didn't even like care what – how much it was or whatever and just went and bought like sneakers or something you know so i probably didn't even know what minimum wage meant yep july 12th kirby puckett who was a major league baseball center fielder for the minnesota twins um he retired due to loss of vision in his eye he's passed away and when my brother was in junior hockey in sioux falls south dakota he went out on a double date and his friend's date was kirby puckett's daughter hmm um, also like on hitting a jackpot. Yeah. Also on July 12th, Michael Jordan signed an NBA contract with the Chicago Bulls for one year for. Oh boy, Michael Jordan in '96 at the end of his tail end of his career. One year. Remember when he played for Washington? Yeah, it's a one year deal. Before this? No, after that, it's a one year uh, deal to get him to come back to play on what would be the sixth championship team. I got to think what Hulk was pulling in WCW and multiply that by like 10. Uh, <laughs> 10, 
10 million. 30 million. 30.1. Uh, uh, it's like uh, going up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, let's see. What else do we got here? Uh, John Wetland, the New York Yankees closer, sets a Major League Baseball record of 24 consecutive saves. That's right. It's a John Wetland, New York Yankees closer. But, Dave, who was the closer who would take over John Wetland's job the following year? Derek Jeter. No, Mariano Rivera. Oh, I mean. Should have got that. I know him, but. Should have got that. I don't know if I would have got it. All I'm right. being honest. This is the well, honest game. One of the big moments. Um, one of the big moments. Derek Jeter's aunt and uncle live right behind me where I'm speaking right now. Oh. Well, hello to aunt and uncle Jeter. On July 15th, after 2,216 games at shortstop, this player moved to third base, Dave. What shortstop played 2,216 consecutive games at the position? Very famously so. We're still on the Yankees? No, he's a Baltimore Oriole. Oh, I didn't hear that part. Oh, shit. He very, very famously played this many games in a row. It was a huge, huge celebration. He broke Lou Gehrig's record for most consecutive games played in baseball. It's a coincidence that Lou Gehrig died from Lou Gehrig's disease. It is. It's so much. weird. It always blows my mind. It's so weird. Yeah. Besides that, God bless him. But um, fuck, I, I, I have no idea. It's I, a the, huge. Their position, their position is not going to mean nothing for me. A huge. That's not going to mean a nothing. A huge baseball star in our day. Everybody, everybody, including you, knows this player. I'm sure I know him, but I, I just don't know. For the Baltimore like Orioles. Mariano Rivera, I know him. I just don't, His first, don't first name is the same as the person who we dedicated this episode to. But shorten it. Oh, Cal Ripken. There you go. <laughs> Man, I had to drive you right up to that one. I know. I mean, I know the people. I just don't <laughs> know what, what they do. You know what I mean? All right. You mentioned this earlier. On July 15th, MSNBC begins Microsoft Internet. NBC TV. Um, let's, Wild. Let's see what else do we got here. Uh, July eighteenth, yeah, July eighteenth, UN approves an Iraqi aid distribution plan, a major step forward in the direction of allowing Iraq to sell oil under Resolution nine eighty six. All right, another big day, Dave. July nineteenth, the Summer Olympic Games open in. Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta, Georgia. Unbelievable. July 21st, Wayne Gretzky signs a two-year deal with this NHL team, the one he would retire on. So not the Kings. Not the Kings. Not that the was, Oilers. That was, that was his main team. Not the Kings. Well, the Oilers were his main team. Then the oh, Kings. The main team. I thought it was the Kings. He won all his um, cups with the Oilers. Then the Kings. Then the Blues. Then this team where he retired. Played, U.S. or Canada? <laughs> U.S. team. Um, fam- oh. uh, the arena is one that you've been to. Okay. Um, Philadelphia Flyers? New York Rangers. Get the fuck out of here. He was on... I never oh, knew man. that. Oh, I never, never, ever knew that. Oh. I'm not going to bullshit you. Oh, you can tell God. by my reaction. But back to Atlanta with the Olympics. Yeah, we're getting there. Won the gold medal with a broken freaking neck. Kurt Angle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Congratulations, Kurt. Nice job. July 17th at the Olympics at Atlanta Olympic Park. One is killed and 110 are injured when a bomb explodes. I still think you're making it up about Gretzky on the, in the garden. It's funny. What, 96? Till when? Till he retired. Well, when he retired. 
90 after the 97 season i guess he signed so, like, a two-year deal for, like, he probably played that okay. deal out yeah fuck i had no idea yeah yeah yeah, yeah. shows where your head was <laughs> in wcw <laughs> then uh july 29th the c- controversial child protection portion of the communications decency act is struck down as too broad by a federal court and i have heard um howard stern bitch and moan about the communications decency act a million times he was not a fan not a fan of it um the july 29th we mentioned him earlier los angeles dodgers manager tommy lasorda retires with a record of 1,599 and 1,439. He won four National League pennants and how many and World big, Series championships, Dave? I don't know, but a big fan of antacid tablets. He was, yes. Not a big fan of Stuttering John. Not a fan of him no, at all. No, I'm a fan of Stuttering John, though. He won two World Series championships, 1982 and 1980. Uh, well, it's not 86. The Mets won that year. That's right. Um, but they beat the Mets this year in the NLCS to win this World Series. Hmm. In seven uh, games. I think the oh, – I'm going to surprise you with this. The A's won in 88, right? Uh, no, the A's, the A's lost. 89? They lost in 88. They lost in 88? Yeah, who'd they lose to, Dave? Not – not Tommy Lasorda. No yes, way. Tommy Lasorda. Oh, I got it. Wow, I, I was kidding. I knew that. <laughs> yeah, the big, the big home run by why, Kirk Gibson. Why did I think they? Why did I think the A's won in '88? The A's won. Jose Canseco they, they, was a star. They played in '88, then they played in '89 when they won in the World Series against the Giants, which was interrupted by with, the, with earthquake. the earthquake. Yep, and that, that's what made WWF name John Tenta the earthquake. A lot of people don't realize that. Very. That's see. That's why I picked you out for this. Little mm-hmm. nuggets like that, Dave. Yep. All right, that is the news for July of 1996. I think that might be my favorite news segment so far. That was a good one. I was up on that one. I have a winning record. Come on. So that's you, a winning record. You didn't know Wayne Gretzky played for the Rangers. I don't care. That's one, <laughs> lo- that's one loss, but it's still, I'm still up. It's you, a big loss. You did well. I, in your opinion, I, you could be making all this up. What the hell do I know? Right, I made up uh, Gretzky on the Rangers. I don't know. I mean, I, I, if you say so, I believe it. You know, if you would have been current with your Sportscasters podcasts, uh, we just then, Kenny, I, then I would have known. Kenny Albert and I just talked about Wayne Gretzky being a Ranger. Um. All right, let's go to the show, Dave. It is July seventh, nineteen ninety six, Daytona Beach, Florida. The Ocean Center is where it was held. Um. And we're going to go over the card. We're not going to go over it to the same depth that we go over a WWF card. Um, but there was a lot of matches that night. And before we really get into the minutia of the card, we're going to even faster go over the matches that were recorded for other things. So first, Dave, a dark match between Jim Powers. He defeated Hugh Morris at 423. Any thoughts? It's, o- it's okay to say no, but if you have them, go ahead. Well, I think that may be the second biggest win of Jim Powers' career after Survivor Series 87. <laughs> Good, call. Big win. Good call. Good <laughs> call. Um, the next thing is uh, they they uh, recorded a bunch of matches for a show called Main Event. Main Event. It would actually air concurrent right before on TBS, right before the pay-per-view. So you would watch the shit going on on TBS from the arena. I thought that was pretty cool. So it's like kind of part of the show. So on my VHS, that would be taped. 
then you would just change the channel at 7 o'clock and go over to the, whatever the pay-per-view was airing on. So it's like one big show. Four matches, the Steiner brothers, uh, Rick and Scott, defeated Harlem Heat, Booker T, and Stevie Ray uh, with Sister Sherry and Colonel Robert Parker by disqualification. 501, no title change. Any thoughts on the Steiner? Who are you rooting for, Steiners or Harlem Heat? Harlem Heat all the way, baby. I'm a big fan of Harlem Heat. They're one of the few homegrown WCW things that I was all about when I first changed the channel over to, to Turner. I said, these guys, you know, they would have been WWF all-stars in, you know, 1988 if they were around. Booker and Stevie are a great team. Nothing against the Steiners. They're awesome. What an awesome team they are. One of the greatest tag teams of all time. But I just never really connected with them in that kind of way. But I, but I did with Harlem Heat. Uh, in two minutes, Bobby Walker defeated Billy Kidman. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We talked Hard about work, that Bobby earlier. Hart. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the Rock and Roll Express, Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson defeated Fire and Ice. Scott Norton and Ice Train in two yeah, minutes and eight seconds. The Rock and Roll Express were around at this time. Not giving these guys a lot of time. Um, no. The last match of the main event was Eddie Guerrero defeating Lord Steven Regal in 338 in a singles match. Kind of like wish that match would have been on the, the actual pay-per-view. Makes sense. Same same with the Steiners on Harlem Heat, but hey, you know what I mean? They the next one they're on and some of the other guys would be in the main event. There's the rosters were, were filled, you know, in WCW at this time. So that brings us to the pay-per-view. Um, Bobby Heenan, Dusty Rhodes, Tony Schiavone, and Mike Tanay are the commentators. Mean Gene Oakland and Lee, Lee Marshall are interviewers. Michael Buffer and David Penzer are on the stick in the ring. And Nick Pack, Nick Patrick, Jimmy Jett, Randy Eller, and Randy Anderson uh, wore the stripes that night. First match, Curtin Jerkin, Ray Mysterio Jr. defeated Psychosis. In a singles match, they gave him 15 minutes and 18 seconds. I enjoyed this match when I watched pay-per-view. Um, obviously, two very talented guys. The thing is, it's just it's a disconnect for me because I don't have any real emotional attachment to either guy or know why they're fighting. But they certainly put on a very entertaining show. So for me, hats off to Ray and Psychosis. Any thoughts from you? Yes, I loved this match at the time. And I had seen it in ECW uh, about six months earlier. And they, they fought all out of the ring and onto, like, the backstage in the ECW arena. And Ray did the Huna Conrada. And the ECW match was even better. But th this was right on par. You know, a lot of people didn't have the MSG network and weren't staying up till 2 in the morning on a Sunday night. To, you know, nobody's nut like me. I didn't even realize Wayne Gretzky was on the uh, the Rangers. Because right, right, right. I'm, I'm doing all this crazy shit. You know, I'll admit it. So this is kind of a, an introduction to a normal person, to this kind of thing. But what I don't like about it, brother, is this led to what we have now. And too much of it. Sure. AEW. You know, Too Finn much is Ballard, gymnastics. All, yeah, gymnastics. Yeah, too much. Sorry, my niece, Skylar. Gymnastics for gymnastics. Pro wrestling is Paul Orndorff. You know yep. what I'm saying? Agree. A little too much, but still great. Still, At the time, it was great. It's morphed into to something. You know, it bubbled into a problem. Right. Pearl Jam is great. But that doesn't mean Creed was. You know what I mean? So yeah. Uh, next up, John Tenta uh, defeats Big Bubba in an all WWE vet classic here with Jimmy Hart in the corner mm. of Big Bubba. They called it a Carson City Silver Dollar match. They gave him almost nine minutes. It's a little bit too long. Uh, this is okay. I love both of these guys. Rest in peace to both. 
Um, thoughts on this match, Dave? Yeah, I love both guys too. Uh, Neckbeard is in my head today, so any neckbeards would have hated this at the time because it was already starting. That Dave Meltzer work rate shit was uh, already starting in '96. But the thing I'm talking about is that pole, how high that was to grab those uh, silver dollars for Tento or Earthquake. I mean, or or, or Bubba to go up that pole. It's impossible. So Jimmy Hart had to climb it, and he's like 60 years old at this time, at least. That pole, if you really take a look at it, that was like. Almost reaching the upper deck. That was a really high, high pole. I don't know what they were thinking. Wherever they got Kevin Sullivan must have sent somebody to a hardware store. You know, in Daytona. Right. But uh, yeah, it, for me, it was always good to see to see my old guys there. I never had a problem with it. You know, same thing coming up with Duggan. I never. I always like to see them. Duggan's a little better because he has his name. When these guys can't use their name, you know, it's that earthquake. And if it's earthquake and big boss man, it would be that much better. Without the names, eh, it falls a little flat. But uh, it is what it is. Um, I was just looking up, and I got him here. I have the star ratings uh, from Mel- from Meltzer. Uh, let me find this show. 96, Bash-, Bash at the Beach. All right, so 11.6. Oh, I got to scroll down a little bit. 91, 92, 93. Come on. So many damn shows. 95, 96. This is like a, right out of Mike Francis. Okay, here we go. He gave uh, he gave the Steiners and Fire and Ice three stars. Um, oh no, I'm at the. I'm, that, I'm sorry. That you're was in the, the main, uh, you're in the main event. That was the Great American Bash at the Beach. Wow. Or the Great American Bash. I'm sorry. Bash at the Beach. Uh, Ray Mysterio versus Psychosis. He gave it four and a quarter. And, really? Yep. That should be five stars, or at least four and three quarters. Four and a quarter. Four point two five. They probably didn't want to rate it, rate it over the ECW one. And he gave this one, the Carson City Silver Dollar, John Tenza versus Big Bubba. He gave it a star and a quarter, one point two five. I'm, you know what? I'm surprised he did. I wouldn't go too much higher than that. Right. So, um, I'm, I'm, hey, Dave, Uncle Dave, not too bad. All right. Next, in a tapped first match, and I did notice watching this that it seemed like they had a lot of gimmick matches, kind of right out of the gate. You know what I mean? Um, they loaded them up in the front, and this one was Diamond Dallas Page defeating. Hacksaw Jim Duggan in 539 in a tap first match. What were your thoughts on this one? Same thing. I'm happy to see Hacksaw. He's probably in my top 10 favorite wrestlers, characters to this day. And, um, you know, I never turned on my guys, no, no matter what, no matter what period it was, never turned on Hulk, never turned on anything. But uh, Hacksaw did the right thing. DDP went over. And uh, DDP's career up, 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 up right after this. We're starting to get into 97, the big feud with the Macho Man. Is coming up, so DDP had won the Lord of the Ring at Slamboree, and uh, I think Duggan might have got a seat back uh, at the end of this match, but he took the diamond cutter, took the three count. And that's a big win for DDP over an established veteran like Duggan. A uh, a one point seven five, and did I say I said tap first? But I probably should have said taped first, right? Taped first, taped well, fist. What was it? Oh, taped fist. Taped Thank fist. You. Yeah, that was Duggan's gimmick at the time. He my, had my, a lot of matches with uh, Bubba. My uh, eyes are deceiving me here as I'm trying to read um, uh, you, you ain't kidding. I can't, after I go for my runs at night, because usually I do them at night after work, I try to look at you know my time, the miles. I can't see shit after my runs. It's really starting to get to me. People are probably laughing at me. I'm saying the, the tapped first match, and it was the taped fist match. Taped fist. I probably should have noticed that. Should've. I'm still thinking about Wayne Gretzky on the Rangers. All right, uh, the Nasty Boys, Knobs and Sags, defeated Public Enemy. 
uh, Rocco Rock and Johnny Grunge in 11:25 in a double dog collar match. Got that one right at least. What were, yeah. your, th- what were your thoughts here? I well, me and my friends, you know, I used to tape ECW on MSG, and then they would come over on I, I think it was on at this time Sundays at 2 a.m. and they would come over Monday after school, and we'd you know everybody even people that weren't so into wrestling they loved watching ECW. We loved the Public Enemy. And it was just so cool and so different. The alternative, like alternative music at the time. But uh, in WCW, it never really jived. And I thought I, they had some better matches with the Nasty Boys than this one. This one, when I was watching this last week, I thought it, it dragged a bit. I liked the end where they held the chain out and Rocco Rock got clotheslined on it. But for me, I think these guys uh, usually did a lot better in their matches. Uh, I wasn't a big fan. Meltzer thought the same thing. He gave it 1.25. Okay. Um, next up. Cruiserweight title match, so the first title match of the pay-per-view. Singles match for the Cruiserweight Championship. Dean Malenko is the champion. He defends against Disco Inferno, who he taps at 12.04 to retain the title. Uh, Meltzer's 3.25 here. Dave, what do you think? Well, Glenn Gilberti, uh, the Disco Inferno, um, is actually a pretty good worker, a pretty good wrestler. Uh, a good hand, we like to call guys like that. And uh, up to this point, it was just pure comedy. You never really saw Disco, you know, getting down with the holds and and uh, work rate stuff like that. This was this was he was around for about a year before uh, before this, and was just always some comic thing. Somebody beat the shit out of him, and he try to dance or bring a radio out. But uh, you know, now he's in there with uh, the man of a thousand holds, Dean Malenko, and uh, it was a good, it was a really good wrestling match. It was a long match, and uh, Malenko won. You know, Disco didn't go over, but it led to Disco. Still being funny, but also but being more like a little bit more like the honky tonk man. Funny, but a serious match. And Disco went on to, I believe, hold the TV title at one point and do a few things. So that's kind of the beginning of that. All right, Steve McMichael, rest in peace. Uh, with Queen Mongo. Queen Deborah defeated. No, uh, Mongo's still alive. Oh, it's just ALS. He just has ALS. ALS. He hasn't yeah. passed from it yet. Yes, thank that's God. right. Sixty-three. He's still with us. I didn't mean to bury him too soon. My thought was I'd recently read about about his ALS and things like that. Uh, mm-hmm. They defeated Joe Gomez in a singles match, six forty four. I got to admit, right around here is where I was looking at the ceiling, you know, looking at the my phone, just kind of out of it a little bit. This, well, I guess this was not sorry. good. Meltzer gave it a minus half a star. So the biggest problem on my end. This is Mongo's first single match after turning heel in the tag match pay-per-view before. If Pat Patterson or Bruce Pritchard or somebody was there, maybe you don't put him against someone that looks exactly like him. It's his twin, uh, the renegade Joe, Go- the, the Desperado Joe Gomez. They look exactly alike. In, in, in real life, they're real friends. Gomez uh, and Flair were the one visiting uh, McMichael with the ALS right. recently. We, we saw it on Facebook or whatever. But, I mean, these guys look exactly alike. The same kind of Nuno Betancourt hair hanging, you know, straight brown hair. Yeah, Yeah. man. And it just, they look too much alike. I mean, what what is this? And Joe Gomez is not a good worker either. You know, they should have put him in there with a little more of an established veteran to to make him look good. So it's kind of unfair to to Mongo to do that to him. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. But, I mean, you want to get somebody over – Put him in, you know. Don't put him in there with someone else. That's not over. It can't yeah. can't really work. But yeah, that that was rough. It was they should have saved this for the next night on Nitro. 
Now, in a match that seemed to go on forever in a day, um, Ric Flair with Miss Elizabeth and Woman, so he had all the babes with him, uh, defeated yeah. Conan, the champion, in 1539 for the United States Heavyweight Championship. Now, it was an all right match, but it was way too long, and I really got bored, to be honest. And at this point, I was seriously considering fast-forwarding through the match like, I'm just ready for the main event at this point. I'm getting restless. Uh, Meltzer gave it two and a half. I'd probably give it one and a half. It was just too long. Love Ric Flair. Love Miss Elizabeth. All that. But it's just too. Well, the show is just getting long at this point. Yeah. I think this might be the best Liz ever looked. I oh, mean, yeah. She looks incredible. Maybe 87. She might top it. But here, she really. I mean, it's close. She looks really good here. And um, the interview before with uh, Gene woman elizabeth and flair and woman is just hanging all over mean gene and then saying they're gonna go party afterwards and then mean gene at the very end says uh we're also gonna be doing some pole vaulting contests when this is all over because she was making him so excited everyone's like whoa what did you just say <laughs> crazy yeah i think that's the only thing i can remember for the match the match is what it is i'm surprised that Meltzer didn't give it a higher stars because conan with triple a in mexico and that's all like in the Meltzer realm in, at this time, I'm surprised you only went two and a half. It's before he started getting really biased to his type, I guess. But um, that was kind of a dream match at the time. If you know, if you were really in uh, deep into the professional wrestling, Conan was a, a you know top guy. He was in soap operas in Mexico, and I don't know how and some stuff like that. But he was like the Hulk Hogan in quotations of Mexico, and now here he is uh, with. Rick Flair, the, the Rick Flair of the United States. And now and, mostly um, known as a podcaster. Correct. All right. The uh, semi-main, if you want to call it that, or the match before the main, the Giant and the ta- Task Master defeated Arn Anderson and Chris Benoit in 7.59 in a tag match. So, eh. Not the best memories here is you have the Giant and Kevin Sullivan against Arn Anderson and Chris Benoit. Um, we had Woman a second ago. Kind of a sad point in the card when I was watching it. It's the first time probably I ever watched like WCW like this, and they're both on. I had some bad thoughts about that, but we'll put that aside for now. The match went 7 minutes and 59 seconds. Wasn't bad. Two stars from Meltzer. About the same for me. What would you think, Dave? Well, I think they probably should have uh, maybe put Conan in the main event pre-show and put Flair with his guys in this match to make it a little more. Giant was a world champ with Sullivan. Maybe have Flair on the other side to really make it like co-main event. Who was it? Arn and Benoit. Um, yeah, I mean, Giant was very green still. You can see the, you know, the stuff he's doing in the ring. Looks like someone's going to get hurt sometimes uh, at this moment. But, uh, you know, it worked out for him in the long run, obviously, with his career. But uh, this was the beginning of the whole real-life scenario with uh, Benoit, Sullivan, and, and woman, Nancy. Uh, you know, we know how that turned out. But this is like, and it was weird, like, kind of like, I was like a wrestling geek. So, like, I knew what was going on. I called the hotlines. I, I subscribed to Pro- PWI Weekly. Not The Observer, never, but PWI Weekly. And, um, you know, so I knew, like, some you know the ins and outs of what was going on. But if you were just watching, like, what? Why is... Why is Nancy, you know, why does she like Kevin Sullivan? Doesn't want to see him get beat up. Like, this, this doesn't make sense. Like, you'd have to know that she was with him. 
years ago as the Fallen Angel and stuff. If this was Vince WWF, it would have been explained properly. That was that's a problem with WCW. I agree with you right. there. Things were not explained correctly. You had it if you didn't know, it didn't make any sense. I remember like, watching WCW with my friends. I would get annoyed. This is kind of going off a little bit, but I would get annoyed because they would ask me so many questions. But now I'm realizing why they were asking asking me the questions because sometimes the shit just didn't make sense. Nash, and, uh, Nash made a good point about how he was watching a WWF pay-per-view around this time. And every single match, there was a little vignette, a little video, a backstory. Of yeah, WrestleMania 14. Yeah, and he just couldn't believe that. It was, it was just uh, it triggered to him that how much better WWF was. And how yeah, like, like you said on, like you said on the Place to Be podcast a few weeks ago, WrestleMania 3, every match had a little story behind it. Like even Coco and Butch. Yep. But Reed, you know, they had a little thing on challenge. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't just thrown out there. You you knew, what, you know, if you watched the weekly TV, which every little kid did in 1987, you knew what was going on. Yep. WCW, uh, not so much. All right, well, we get to the main event, and uh, the match is billed as the Outsiders with a third man who's not known against Randy Savage, Sting, and Lex Luger, who are essentially representing WCW. And the Nash and Hall come to the ring, and they say the third man is here. He'll be out when they need him. They're going to handle it for now, and they start the match as a two-on-three. Now, before we get to that, I have a question for you, Dave. I know you you watched this the day of, so tell us about where you were, who was watching with you, and importantly, who everyone in your party thought was the third man was going to be. All right, man. I, I love this question, by the way. Now, leading up to this, in school, I always had a group of friends, six or seven guys that were wrestling fans, even through the downtime, whatever. So I never I never had that. I became one of the cool kids, maybe this is sophomore year, the end of sophomore year. I became one of the cool kids more junior, senior year. I was kind of in the middle sophomore year, but I never had like another podcast, like people that you, you get made fun of and degraded because you're a wrestling fan. That never really happened to me. You had a couple of bad eggs here and there, but I don't know. I'm not trying to put myself over. Maybe because of my personality. I'm a nice guy. I don't know what it was. I never really had that. Maybe they talked behind my back. You know what I mean? I never really had that. But, however, people really didn't talk wrestling to me besides six or seven friends, close friends. At this time, you know, it was almost time to get our license. I didn't have it yet. I was still 16. It's 17 here in Jersey. I remember a car pulling up in front of Sunset Deli. is a deli in Karniev. And I can't remember who the person was, but it was somebody maybe, you know, a little older than me, a little cooler than me. And they're like, beep, beep, Rollins. And I'm like, hey, so-and-so. Like, who's the third man? I'm like, what? Yeah, I mean, they're, who's the fuck? Who? I got to know. I'm like, I don't know. Like, uh, maybe Jeff Jarrett. I remember, like, saying that because we thought anybody that had recently disappeared from WWF would, would be the call. Okay. You know, Jeff Jarrett had Jeff Jarrett had recently disappeared. Mabel, which they joke about because Melser predicted that. But in Melser's defense, he did recently disappear from WWF television. Bret Hart is a big one, but I think he was um, booked already because you know if you had the inside information for the Europe, South Africa or some shit, he was booked somewhere. So, but still, but th- that was still a rumor. Then, of course, Lex turning. Especially in the match when we get there is 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 a possibility. Savage turning is always a possibility. Um, it was somebody else out of the WWF. You you get the gist of it. But sure. 
this was like wow, like 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 something's happening here. Like something besides the person in the car beeping at me and Carney, yeah, there's others too. Like and even the six or seven friends that are wrestling fans besides Chet, they're not on my level. But now they're getting on my level. Now they're like, fuck, can we we used to watch it at my sister had the scrambler. My parents already threw threw in the towel and gave up on the pay per views. I was out they were done with me with it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So my sister had recently gotten married to her first husband. And uh, they had the descrambler box, but they only allowed me to bring one friend over. And it, we, they would alternate Chet and Anthony. It was Anthony's turn. So all the other wrestling fr- friends, they all wanted to come when usually they didn't give a shit. So it was like, well, something's, this feels like 1986 again. Like something, something's going on. And it was. So who did you watch with that night? Uh, Anthony. Uh, and it was at my sister's house and her ex-husband, Kenny, who Chet called Ken Mo. On a thing, my father would call that as a no, no offense to any homosexual people. It's a joke, and obviously Kenny's not a homosexual, but you call him Kenmo gotcha. instead of homo. Right. As kidding around, that's what, what Chet said on there. <laughs> and um, he watched it with us. And I, Uncle Tito, they lived in East Rutherford, so Uncle Tito dropped us off. And I think he was he he yeah because he called Hogan Hitler. He was there to pick us up by the middle of the main event, so he he, he was in there uh, when it happened. But Kenny had gone to bed. And my sister wasn't, you know, whatever. She was in the kitchen or something. Kenny had gone to bed, so it was me, Anthony, Uncle Tito. And when, you know, when it happened, you know, even Kenny was like, kind of like, ah, eh, you know, I used to like wrestling in the '80s. He's like, this is you guys are still watching this bullshit, but he'll go along with it, to, you know, to be nice to my sister, I guess. But when this happened, he come running out of the bedroom in his BVDs, like, oh, Colgan turned bad. He's like, what the fuck? What's going on? You know? All right, crazy. Well, I'm gonna go through it, and you stop me. When you want to make a comment, but we won't go. I'm going to stop anyway, right before Hogan comes down. So Luger and Hall start the match. Hall throws a toothpick. Luger pimp slaps him across the face. Hall peppers Lex with rights, but Luger fires back with a steel plated flying forearm. Luger gets dumped to the apron and runs Hall down with a clothesline, but he goes right into Nash's arms where Nash holds him down across the steel turnbuckle uh, connector as... Sting flies in and crushes Nash and Luger with the Stinger Splash. Lex is out cold and quickly gets carried out on a stretcher. I'll stop you there for a second. Okay. That's just brilliant, brilliant booking because right then we almost started like not caring anymore. Oh, Lex is going to run back out. Lex is the third on, man. Bandage yeah. on his head and then turn around and punch Sting. You know what I mean? It's obvious that's going to happen. Right. So we're like, oh, you know, we still love Hall and Nash, our hometown boys in New York. So we're still... Loving them there, but it's the, the mood in the room has kind of changed at this point when they take Lex out because it's obviously going to be him. Sure. Once everything settle, settles, Sting has enough of Hall slapping people around and goes ballistic on him. Savage tags in, but Hall catches him midair as he tries a flying double sledge. Hall draws Sting in as Nash comes in and gives Savage the snake eyes. Tag to Nash, he slams Savage down and misses the elbow drop. Sting tags in and takes his knees in the corner, followed by the boot choke. He whips Sting into the corner, but Sting floats over and drills Nash with a drop kick. Sunset flip fails, and Nash lifts Sting up in a choke lift. Hall comes in and hits Sting with a fallaway slam for two. Sting continues to play your face in peril for a little while longer. Uh, they switch off an ab stretch and cheat like motherfuckers. Hall dumps Sting <laughs> out for Nash, but Savage knows what's about to happen. And he runs over to save him with a chair. Uh, back inside, Nash hits the side stand for two. 
Sting ducks and punches on Nash. He nails Hall and makes the leaping hot tag to Savage. Uh, he nails Hall. He's a house of fire here. He nails Hall with double flying axe handle. Delivers the double noggin knocker. Hall gets dumped uh, and takes the flying double axe handle across the guardrail. Uh, back in, Savage grabs Nash and takes a low blow. Everybody's down. Everybody is down. There's a low blow. Everyone is down, Dave. And Hulkamania. here comes Hulk Hogan to save the day. Hall and Nash clear out of the ring in fear. As Hogan rips off the shirt, pause. What are you thinking right now, Dave? Well, before he rips off the shirt, the second we saw him, it's him. I don't know if Anthony said it. I don't know if I said it. I remember Uncle Tito saying he looks like Hitler because his, his handlebar was. That's all I know Uncle Tito was. I knew he didn't watch the pay-per-view with us, but he was back to pick us up. And, you know, obviously he's my uncle, so my sister let him in. Yeah, our uncle. And um, he hoaxed. I don't know if you noticed, his, I guess for the movie, his mustache was kind of cut. So that was my Uncle Tito's call. He looks like Hitler. And he that's the ultimate bad guy. So he, like, made that call. But we were like, it's him. But then when Bobby said, you know, um, whose side is he on? To me, that kind of threw it all off, the Hitler thing. Like, ah, you know, because it would be all, you know, whistles and balloons and everything, you know, wrestling. And then he turns. Like, if Bobby's saying that, oh, maybe he is still a good guy. But no. Boom. And at first, man, once he dropped that leg, I was upset. I was like, dude. Well, hold on. So Savage grabs Nash and takes a low blow. Everybody's down. Here comes Hogan to save the day. Hall and Nash clear out of the ring in fear as Hogan rips off the shirt. And leg drops Savage. He leg drops Savage. Gives the outsiders the thumbs up. Several more leg drops. What are you thinking now that we know? I was thinking. The world knows he's the third man. What's the buzz in the room? What are you guys all thinking? The first thing I was screaming is that people are probably going to take this weird because you wouldn't be what you expect. That I hated seeing Hulk lose. I don't want him at this time, and even now, I don't want him ever to lose. He doesn't lose. He's Superman. See, I'm a different breed of wrestling fan. Like, this guy don't lose. It hurts him when he loses. I don't want Undertaker tombstone and him on a chair and his head don't even hit the chair and getting pinned. That hurts Hulk. Hulk, don't do that. I know it has to happen. But so the first thing I said, you're a bad guy, you're going to fucking lose all the time, which did happen. But, I mean, that was my, no, like, I, this can't happen. It's going to ruin your career. And that's when Kenny came out of the bedroom into it and making fun of me at the same time for saying that. That's what uh, Chet said that on the, on our Facebook. I don't know if you saw that. And, um, you know, Kenny said, you, you were crying. And so that was my first reaction. But then once the promo came in, I'm like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. I'm in. All right, we'll get to that. So, uh, yeah. so Sting and the ref both get tossed out. Hogan covers and Hall counts to three. 16 minutes. Doesn't count, of course. The match is a no contest. Singh drags out Savage and helps him to the back. The Ocean Center starts emptying their trash in the ring. A crazy fan gets in the ring and is decked immediately with a forearm by a neck. Oh, I love that. He had the, the Hulkamania shirt like around his neck yep. he ripped it off. It, I almost it, feel like, I mean, this is so perfect. I don't want to think this way, but 
I guess New Jersey and think this way. I almost feel like it's a plant a little bit. It's almost too perfect. Okay. That, um, I mean, I hope not, but well, I mean. Well, he Hall and Nash stomped the guy out of the ring. And uh, Gene comes in and he says, Hulk Hogan, excuse me. Excuse me. What in the world are you thinking? Well, mean Gene, brother, the first thing you need to do is tell these people to shut up if you want to hear what I've got to say. Gene. I've been with you for so many years. For you to join up with the likes of these two men absolutely makes me sick to my stomach. And I think these people here and a lot of people around the world have had just about enough of this man and this man. And you want to put yourself in this group? You've got to be kidding me. Well, first thing you've got to realize, brother, is that this ring right here is the future of wrestling. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother. These two men right here came from a great big organization up north. And everybody was wondering who the third man was. Well, who knows more about that organization than me, brother? Gene, I've been there. I've done that. You made the wrong decision, in my opinion. Well, let me tell you something. I made that organization a monster. I made people rich up there. I made the people that ran that organization rich up there, brother. And when it all comes to pass, the name Hulk Hogan, the man Hulk Hogan, got bigger than the whole organization, brother. And then billionaire Ted, amigo, he wanted to talk turkey with Hulk Hogan. Well, billionaire Ted promised me movies. Billionaire Ted promised me millions of dollars. And billionaire Ted promised me world caliber matches. And as far as billionaire Ted, Eric Bischoff, and the whole WCW goes, I'm bored, brother. That's why these two guys here, these so-called outsiders, these are the men I want as my friends. They're the new blood of professional wrestling, brother. And not only are we going to take over the whole wrestling business with Hulk Hogan and the new blood, the monsters with me, we will destroy everything in our path, me and Gene. Gene says, look at all this crap in the ring. This is what's the future for you if you want to hang around with the likes of this man Hall and this man Nash. As far as I'm concerned, all this crap in the ring represents these fans out here. For two years, brother, for two years I held my head high. My head high. I did everything for the charities. I did everything for the kids. And the reception I got when I came out here, you fans can stick it, brother, because... And if it wasn't for Hulk Hogan, you people wouldn't even be here. And if it wasn't for Hulk Hogan, Eric Bischoff would still be selling meat from a truck in Minneapolis. And if it wasn't for Hulk Hogan, all these Johnny-come-latelys that you see out here wrestling wouldn't be here. I was selling out the world, brother, while they were bumming gas to put in their car to get to high school. So the way it is now, brother, with Hulk Hogan and the New World Organization of Wrestling, brother, me and the new blood by my side. What you gonna do when the new order runs wild on you? What you gonna do? What you gonna do? And then Tony Schiavone closes us out with this. Uh, for Bobby the Brain Heenan, for Dusty Rhodes, Gene Orkeland. I don't know. I'm Tony Schiavone. Hulk Hogan, you can go to hell. We're out of here. Straight to hell. You know, Steve, if, if you ever want to turn on the place to be guys or somebody, maybe Peter Winston, you don't have to say a word. You just got to replay that and it's done. <laughs> they love it, right? Meltzer <laughs> yeah. gave it three he stars. He did a great job. <laughs> three stars Meltzer gave it. 
relative to Hulk, fucking five fucking stars. Relative that's to Hulk, a home run. Relative to Hulk Hogan matches. Here's the thing, and remember, we grade relative to Hulk Hogan matches. Uh, Hulk Hogan's only in it for a flash, so I can't. Yeah, he go, doesn't wrestle, so I can't give it five, um, because that's reserved for matches when Hulk wrestles in my book. Yeah. But there's no underestimating the enormity of this piece of business, and 83 weeks isn't a thing without this, obviously, oh. and the attitude, the attitude era, probably isn't a thing without. It's an unbelievable moment. And they, it's the best piece of business in the history of the company to some degree. Certainly in the entire era where Hulk is there. Um, so I'll give it four and a half. But I can't give it any higher than that because Hulk doesn't really wrestle. So, And we grade on this show, we grade the matches relative to Hulk matches. So yeah. with that caveat, I'll go four and a half. I'm five stars out the gate. Remember, I give five stars to Steamboat Savage, WrestleMania 3. But I also give those same five stars to Binghamton, October, taped October 86, aired November, sat the the bell, the crushing of the larynx. Yeah. I'm all about it the aired on November 22nd, which, November you know. November 22nd. Yep. I'm all, that's five stars just as much as, so I'm, I'm all about the angle, the story. So this is 100%, 120% five stars for me. Um, I mean, I, I don't even... <laughs> I mean, I was I was only. Is it in your top five Hulk Hogan matches? It's number two, after Hogan Andre. It's It's your number two Hulk Hogan match. Yeah, it is. I mean, if if I was watching Hogan Sheik in real time, maybe something would be different. But I wasn't. My dad saw it live, but I did not. You know, you know, 1984. I wasn't watching yet. So for me, I mean, moments, excitement, just holy shit, and then. After the promo, now I'm in. I'm in. I'm no more saying, oh, Hulk's going to get pinned all the time. I'm not upset about that anymore. But he said, I'm like, yeah, because I would always kind of hide it. Like like WrestleMania this year, Hogan got booed. I didn't really want to admit it. You know what I mean? You hurt firsthand. I wouldn't really admit it. I was the same way then in WCW. Like, nah, you know, he's still Hulk. You know what I mean? He's got a little less hair on top now. You know what I mean? He's still the man. And he was still the man. But once he hit that promo, I'm like, yup, yup, yup. You're right. Yes, this is how I feel too. And, you know, I went right for that telephone and called Chet because, you know, my sister only let one friend. We used to bombard my house with the pay-per-views. My parents couldn't take it anymore. And Chet's like, get the fuck out of here. It ain't Hogan. Again, who was it? Double J or, you know, or whoever. Um, Luger, you know what I mean? Hogan. Yeah, yeah, you guys. Cause we, you know, Chet, we used to kid with him a lot. And so I said, you know what? I'm not going to give you the tape tomorrow when you come over to my house to hang out. I said, I'm coming to the house tonight. Tape. Then he then his his demeanor changed. It's like I'll be outside. <laughs> you know, it was like whoa, it's serious shit, man. It, it was it was just crazy. Then little by little, and it, uh, the next year was junior year. Uh, you know, walk into football practice in August, and you know everybody NWO NWO going to high school. Even the girls now. We ended up having nitro at Uncle Tito's house. Guys, girls, you couldn't even fit in the, fit in the room. It, it was just, it, it was pandemonium. And it was, you know, it, it, the name Holly, people called me Hollywood out. And I'll go out to the bar after we record this. And people will be calling me Hollywood and not know why they're calling me that. But it's because of this. That's my name. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, I, I don't have any connection to it anywhere near on that level. Um, I don't even remember necessarily when I heard about it, probably shortly after. Um, you know, I did hear Hulk's a bad guy now. And you must you must have popped when you heard that. You must have said, "I gotta see this." Um, no, I said that's too bad. 
Really? You know what I mean? Because that was my guy was a bad guy now. You know, like he was the guy who never like like my like my immediate reaction. Yeah, yeah. And um I wasn't keeping up on, you know, people are booing him now or anything like that. I didn't know all uh, that. Okay. You know what yeah. I mean? And it was it wasn't like the way even like out this past WrestleMania, it's not you gotta listen for it. It's there, but it's not like they were acting like on social media. Same thing in WCW. I mean, a couple of nitros when they were in Charlotte it was bad. But in other towns you really can't hear it. it just but uh pandemonium like it used to be a few weeks after this sometime before school started i was flipping around the channels during the commercial of raw or whatever i was watching on a monday night probably wasn't really watching raw yet probably flipping around and i seen hulk hogan in the ring in the black and white doing a promo with the beard and everything looks so weird to me and i watched the promo and i said oof and I turned it off and didn't think about it again. And then the first day of school, my friend Eric Haber, who's a big wrestling fan, as big as there is really, um, a huge one. And uh, he was telling me all he was all in, you know, all about it. Telling me all about Hulk Hogan and NWO and this and that and that. And he would just kind of keep me up to date. Oh, they're doing this thing with Sting and Sting looks like the crow now. And I'm like, what? You know, and. Whatever, but you weren't you weren't even watching Raw though at this time. You were just checked out. Sometime so. in '97, when, when well, let me think. Not for quite a while. The SummerSlam is a whole another year, '97. Yeah, but it was before. Maybe, it was well before yeah. SummerSlam. SummerSlam was the first pay per view I bought back. But well, I know you. I know you like uh, the, the I Quit match WrestleMania 13. Right. That's in, that, that is in retrospect. March. Though. Yeah, I yeah. didn't see. I didn't see oh, that Mania that. live. I think 11, 12, and 13. I saw all the way through 10. I don't think I've seen 11, 12, or 13. So you probably got back into WWF somewhere between WrestleMania and SummerSlam of 97. That's yes. That's what it sounds like. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Not too long after. You know what? You know what? I got back into it was King of the Ring. Austin 316. Okay. That's, now, not, oh, that's, not, that's actually before this, though. That's 96. 96. Oh. Well, it was, some, it was yeah. sometime during... The Austin 316 run and the build up to SummerSlam 97 where he gets hurt. And by yeah, no actually, and actually, by no I, means was the SummerSlam 97 my first show because I was a huge, huge Austin guy going into that. So for most of that, probably all of the for probably the second when hockey ended my junior year up until SummerSlam, I was watching Raw and stuff. And then I got SummerSlam. Somewhere between WrestleMania 13 97 and SummerSlam 97. Yep. Raw changed back to the arenas. Remember, they were still doing like the Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, sure, and you know Westchester County Center. They moved to, back into arenas and moved to two hours to compete. So it's probably around that time that that caught you. Yeah, you figure around March of 97, hockey season yeah. ends. It got, WWF got good, got good again, and that's that. when I start watching and all that. So, but I just don't have any connection to it in any way. I was never a fan of WCW. The most I watched WCW was in the 80s um, when I would be at my dad's house and it would come on at 6.05 and my dad was napping because we had already been to a movie and to lunch because, you know, I'd go to my dad's on the weekend. Those were the days, right? Yeah, and I would watch a lot of WCW 6.05 studio show, you know, Ric Flair, Four Horsemen kind of stuff. Um, Oh, yeah. But I never watched... I don't think I ever seen a WCW pay per view live. All right. 
So I just they're, they're not they're not re- it was great to be there at the time like I was but they're not rewatchable like uh our classic and, uh, WWF is. You know, you were going back and forth. See, I was just as I got just as into it as you did. But I was just on the DX, you know, Austin uh Mick Foley under I was on that side of it. You know what I mean? I was on that side of the war. Yeah. You were going back and forth. I just stayed on my side of the war, you know. I only I, really I only go, fought for the north. I didn't mess around with the south. I didn't go back to the north really until Hogan left after the Russo thing. I was still because he went back to he went back to the red and yellow. I went to Nassau. Well, but you said you were at SummerSlam '97, yeah. so you were watching oh, yeah, it to yeah, some yeah, degree. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know what I but mean? But I was WCW was still my my number one because of Hulk. You know, the one one WCW was so down that I had at this time I was like the most popular guy around. In like 1999, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, sure. but I had to go. I had to go to a nitro by myself. Nobody wanted to go. <laughs> it was it was that bad. Nobody, everybody liked WWF. I'm like, nah, dude. I gotta go see. I gotta go see Hulkster. You know, and I, you know what? I think one friend might have went with me, but it was, you know, I was surrounded by guys, girls, everything. But nobody wanted to go. <laughs> I w- I went to right around this time. Three concerts by myself. Bob Seger and the Silverboat Band in 96 at the Odd. I went to my very first Rush show in on October 20th, 1996 at the Odd. Or no, the, that was at the Arena by then, the Marine Midland Arena. And then I, I also went to a Page and Plant show by myself. Uh, I would love to which see. I've I think, seen Plant by himself and never, never together. Which I think was between the two. I think... Seeger was first. Page and Plant was second. Page and Plant was at the very end of the run of the odd before the new arena opened. But yeah, I've seen plenty of crew stuff by myself, but it's always like the night before I went with six people. Yeah, I've you seen Pearl I mean? Jam shows by myself. Oh, yeah, yeah, like where I went with people. Then they're in Albany two days later. Nobody wants to go but me, but I'm not going to let Pearl Same Jam thing. play in Albany and not be there. So I went. We, you know, we've had this discussion yeah. before. Yeah, you, you you can't sit home and know that that's happening. No, and you and you in your home. Nope. You know, sitting on your fucking fat ass while the crew or Pearl Jam or whomever is is playing. You know, in Philly or you know, in, in your yep. case, in maybe Toronto, yep. something like that. Yeah, well, Toronto's a never miss, but like Albany's yeah. a perfect example. Like, Albany, there's okay. no way in hell. In 2006, which is when this show was, it was in the summer. I was nothing else going on necessarily. You know, I had the no way I wasn't going to drive to Albany, and I did. So whatever. But um, yeah, that's the show. That's the bash at the beach. We'll do more WCW because it's part of Hulk's career. So I mean, at some point we got to do the big match against Sting, right? Um, yeah, that, at, I was there live for that one. At some point we got to do the Washington. big. The big debut match against Flair, right? I mean, that so, that one is is probably if you don't count this one as a match because this is my favorite moment. Obviously, I said it's in my top two with Hulk and Andre, but match wise, WCW that first match with Flair in '94 and then the cage match Halloween Havoc. I think you'll love both of them if you don't watch the rest of the card. Just watch those. Bobby was still on point in '94. He hadn't changed yet. Uh, that's more the WWF feel that those two those Hulk, Hulk Flair matches well, one, I think you might like those the last thing I'll say about this is that this isn't your second favorite Hulk match because this isn't a Hulk match no match no, no. Moment. you know what I mean like a, Hulk yeah. moment that's fair but this isn't a Hulk yeah. match you know what I mean so like, like I, I'm more saying 
not even moment like importance. I mean, like no, I think moment importance. is the, moment's the moment. purpose because okay. okay. it moment. is a moment. He comes out and he drops the leg and changes wrestling forever. Boom, that's a moment. Moment. There we got it. Yeah. So momento. All right, we will take a break, and when we come back, it will not just be Dave and I, the two sweat hogs that we are. Uh, we will mm. be joined by... Not just sweat hogs, inner city sweat hogs. That's right, although I'm in the suburbs. Um, <laughs> they, we will be back with the beautiful Paula Bennett, and we will read emails, and we will tell you what we're going to do next show, which is actually next week. And uh, all those great things. So we will take a break and we'll be right back. I am a real American. Fight for the rights of every man. I am a real American. Fight for what's right. Fight for your Steve Bennett, Dave Rollins, and the adorable Paula Bennett here. One last segment tonight, <laughs> finishing up our show on the best of the bash of the beach, 1996. Dave made me do it. All right, few things left to do today. We got emails. We're gonna let you know what we're gonna do next week. Uh, but before we get to all that, we got to do some plugs. Don't forget, you can find this episode of the 24 Inch Podcast and all episodes of the show. On our SoundCloud page. It's soundcloud.com slash sports dash casters. You can also find us on Twitter. We're at the number two, the number four, the word inch, and the word podcast. On Instagram, we're the number two four underscore inch underscore podcast. You can search for us on Facebook by typing in 24-inch podcast, and you'll find our group there. And you can always email us the number two, the number four inch podcast there. Don't forget to check out my other podcast, The Sportscasters. You can find that on Twitter, where I am as well, at sports underscore casters. Recently did an episode with Kenny Albert, uh, the play-by-play voice of the National Hockey League, and the son of Marv Albert, who just retired from a 50-year career. Uh, calling basketball and hockey and all the sports. One of the great voices of New York, Dave, has called it quits. And Kenny and I talked about the Mount Rushmore level career his father had. And uh, he talks about remembering being with his dad for the 92 Olympics when the dream team, the real dream team, uh, played back in the day. We talk about that. Also, Wait a minute. The other one came in 86. Stop that. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But then they had a nightmare. They had a nightmare at the... uh, at the Rosemont, and then everything changed, you know, when that yeah, happened. Let it go, brother. Yeah. Uh, the um, Also on that show is a guy named Brian Raftery, who has a podcast out called uh, Gene and Roger about the amazing career of Siskel and Ebert. Uh, that's on Ringer Podcast. We talk about that. But uh, at sports underscore casters for that. Don't forget to check out our friend Peter Winston 
And greetings from Allentown at GF Allentown Pod. Remember, that's a bi-weekly pod now. Uh, but greetings from Allentown Live. It's still weekly. He does that with Keithy. Uh, for all the news on greetings from Allentown at GF Allentown Pod on Twitter to find Peter and to get all of the great information about that. Also, I want to thank uh, Justin Rosero from the Place to Be Nation podcast and, of course, the North-South Connection. For helping with some of my notes tonight, I always appreciate when Justin is willing to do that with me. Saves me a little bit of time. I appreciate Justin. Make sure you check out the North-South Connection wherever you listen to podcasts. My favorite thing on there is once a month, Justin does his own mailbag, and he just answers questions. I like that. I've been listening to some stuff on there, uh, here and there myself lately, and uh, since I've been back at work full time. It's pretty good stuff on uh, North-South Connection. Yeah, North-South Connection, and of course, the Place to Be Nation flagship podcast i got a few episodes of that coming up i was just on recently and then i got one coming up where i'm going to um be doing like a herb notes thing to kind of close down the uh project the reboot project and then and then of course i'm going to be hosting the very last episode of the reboot project with those guys in the fall sometime all right emails and texts and all kinds of input from listeners. And, of course, Paula's got some emails. Um, her mother gave her a really good question. Why don't we start with that one, Paula? Why don't you read Tammy's email and answer the question? She's got a great one. She said, are you a wrestler? What were you saying with her movie? Okay, so if you were a wrestler, I suggested the Paula driver. But th- what's your answer? What What would be your move if you were a wrestler? This is a new name that I made up. It's called the Paula Body Elbow Drop. Oh, the Paula Body Elbow Drop. The P-B-E-D. Yes. That sounds amazing. Tell us about it. How do you do it? Okay, so you have to get a elbow. elbow. So first you have to get into drop mode. Okay. Drop mode. And then you have to... Then you get in the elbow and drop with the elbow. Oh, and you get the one, two, three? Yep. I don't want to take that bump, Dave. How about you? Not a chance in the world. Paula Mania be running wild on me. Not a chance. Dave, what would your finishing move be if you were a wrestler? Well, we did. uh, I'm not going to use this one, but I I can't not say it. You know, we did. We got plenty of DVDs of my high school days of the backyard wrestling. And I was Hollywood Dave Rollins. That's where the name comes from. And it was the big leg drop, but we'll scratch that out because that's a little boring. Uh, I'll, I'll say a DDT, but the version Adrian Adonis used, not Jake's. Adrian would get you the same way Jake did, but he would kick his own legs out as well and go down with it. I always kind of like that. He's kind of putting his body weight on there, and I'm beefing up kind of like the adorable one lately <laughs> these days. Sure. So that may work. <laughs> it may work well for me. I would want to do something out of the – you know what Davey Boy Smith would do those – um, suplexes where he'd hold the guy straight up in the air for a while. Hold him up there, make him think about it for a while. I'd want to do something out of that. Like maybe I get him up there and I hold him and then do some kind of slam suplex out of that. I'd tinker. I'd I'd start there and tinker with it from there. Almost sounds like the jackhammer, Goldberg. Yeah, maybe a little bit like variation. that. But I'd try to find my own twist on it. You know, a little bit of a variation. I don't, yeah, I don't think anybody off the top of my head. I mean, we may get some emails saying otherwise. I don't think anybody else does that move. So there's always like how Randy Orton took the diamond cutter and made it the RKO, you could take the jackhammer. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of podcasts and shout-outs, I got one more. Uh, It's Bigger Than the Game podcast. They're at uh, 
bigger TT game pod on Twitter, and it's Deremy and Jose. And they were nice enough to reach out to me with uh, really kind words about not only this podcast, but the sportscasters. So I wanted to say hello to those guys. Uh, please give them a follow on Twitter. Again, it's at BiggerTTGamePod on Twitter. And you can check out their episodes, obviously, Bigger Than The Game, wherever you find podcasts. Uh, but not only were they nice enough to let us know that they're um, fans of this podcast, uh, I think here actually said, absolutely, man, great interviews with both of them. I really enjoyed the Sportscasters and the 24-inch podcast. And then he invited me on his, and hopefully I'll be able to do that with them. But they also sent over a question for us, Dave. And this is a good one for you, especially. And we'll let Paula answer, and I will as well. But they want to know, greater moment in wrestling, bash at the beach in 96 or the Montreal screw job the following year? Who's going first? You can take it first. Oh, Paula wants to go first. All right, Paula, what do you think? Bash at the beach or the Montreal screw job? Bash at the beach. Bash at the beach. Okay. She has no doubt. No Dave? doubt. Without a doubt. Paula Mania, I'm right there with you. It's Bash at the beach because there would be no Montreal screw job. But if Hulk Hogan didn't turn bad, didn't turn heel, as they say, I don't know what would have happened with the WWF. They still would be doing TL Hopper and the Goon Brother. You know what I mean? I don't think they would have, at least not yet, come back in that kind of way. Uh, and Brett would never, you know, I don't think they, they would have offered him that big contract for him to stay. Basically, how this that all came to be, the Montreal screw job. I don't need to get into it now. They gave him that big 20-year contract. Then it didn't work out. That's all because of WCW breathing down the neck. You know, and if Hulk didn't turn bad, there'd be no breathing down the neck. So no badge of the beach, no screw job. What do you think, Steve? I think you're looking at it a little bit too much as a game of dominoes. You know what I mean? I think by your logic, anything that came before anything would be the answer. You know, um, and there's some truth in that for sure. I don't think anything you said was wrong. And I think I would just pick the Montreal screw job because it directly led to the Mr. McMahon, um, the Mr. McMahon character. And I think. With or without Bash at the Beach, Hulk was going to get to a place uh, where he would be a heel at some point. That was going to happen. Um, the character as a face was failing at that point a little bit. And, uh, a little bit. Huh? And that was going to happen. So I don't know that you needed that moment as much to get the result. I think without the screw job, you never get Vin- Mr. McMahon. I think Mr. McMahon was born that night. And absolutely. And um, I don't know it would have happened another way. You know what I mean? I think that and, and the Mr. McMahon character, arguably the greatest heel of all time, top three, top four. So important Probably. with Austin and his career. And, you know, I, the, the saying is always that Hulk made McMahon a millionaire and Austin made McMahon a billionaire. But I don't think he gets to billionaire without Mr. McMahon, the character which was so important during that attitude era. So for that I'll for that I'll give a, for that I'll give a slight edge to the uh Montreal screw job, but I think there's such huge moments either way that I don't think you can go wrong there. Yeah, there could be an arg- there could be yeah. an argument made either way, of course. Absolutely. Um 
Yeah, and that whole thing, the Montreal screw job. I mean, this is only a Hogan podcast, so we may never be able to touch on that again. But somehow we probably will get to it. I got a few more things to say, but sure. we're running out of time. Paul, what do you got, baby? Um, I, Make sure you speak into that microphone. I have this one from Gregory. Okay, from our nep- my nephew Gregory, your cousin. Mm-hmm. Frequent emailer. He said, what wrestler will be and what will you be your favorite move? And what name would your wrestler be? Okay. All right. What's your answer? My answer would say, I guess. So Gregory wants to know what your move would be and what your name would be? Yeah. All right. So we know that your move already, you said in the other email, that your move was the the P-E, um, the Paula Elbow, what was it called? The Paula Body Swing. Paula Elbow Body Slam. The P-E-S. Um, yeah. Dave, help me out here. Trying the P-E-S, to keep Yes, Paula Elbow Slam. The Paula Elbow Body Slam. And what will be your second favorite move, he said. Okay, so he wants to know your second favorite. What would that be? Well, I'm going to start off with my name. It can be Unicorn Sparkle Epper. Oh, the Unicorn Sparkle. Yeah. That sounds and, deadly. And, and what would your wrestler Epper. name be? My wrestler? Yeah, what would your wrestler name be? Would they just call you Paula? Would they call you Paula Mania? No, Epra. What? Epra. Epra? Yeah. What the heck is that? Okay, I can't think of a name. All right, that's a, that's a good name, I guess. Dave, you like Epra? Yeah, it, it, would fit, it would fit in with the WWE uh, divas I, or women. I think I, like, I think I like Paula Mania the best, though. Oh, Paula Mania. It's always running wild. Yeah, I would go with that. Sounds like... Coffee mania over there, Paul. <laughs> All right, Dave, what do you got? You got one? Let's get one from Dave. Let's Dave. Well, you know, we already know. I'm Hollywood Dave Rollins. That's been my wrestling name. It's oh, no, no, we're good. You're throughout. good. You don't need to answer Gregory's email. He got oh. what he wanted. I'm <laughs> saying you, you're, you're up All with right. an email of your own that you got over. All right, let's, All do, right. let's do the emails. Let's start off with the text. All right, about text. That? Text message. Cool texts. All right. Uh, from Anthony Pagano, he's just making a comment, and I like this comment. He just said, I think he actually watched The Bastard the Beach with me live. As I told, as I said earlier on, he says, I think Hogan should have dyed his hair black, too. Uh, I've never heard anybody say that before, Anthony. I think that's a really cool observation to make because it never happened. I don't know how it would look, but he did take the red, the red and yellow off everywhere else. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you're just making a statement. Uh, I, I don't know if you want me to, to answer it, if I want it to happen or not. But I think it's a cool statement that you made. I like it. I like yeah. it for sure. Maybe at least try it, you know. Remember, Mr. Uh, Vince McMahon Sr., that makes me think Juan and Hogan when he first came in as a heel in uh, 1980, 1979-1980, to dye his hair red as an Irishman. Right. Hulk Hogan, the Irishman. So that kind of made me think of, uh, think back then. All right, you got another okay, one? And, uh, yeah, we got another one. We got a couple more. Okay. Uh, we got over here, and Mr. Kevin Hogan. Sorry, Kevin Hogan, we took a little summer hiatus. I know you've been jonesing for the 24-inch podcast, and I love you to death because of that. And he wants to know, Dave, over to the Kevin. years, you got it. Over the years, I've heard people criticize Bobby Heenan for his, but whose side is he on comment during the whole Kogan run to the ring? Having watched it live, did you comment? Did that comment even register with you? Did it kill any of the surprise? Kevin Hogan, I'm glad you asked that question. I am in the minority. I think it added to it. Because once I saw Hogan come down the aisle, I remember Mount Tito saying, he looks like Hitler. 
the way his mustache was cut, didn't have the handlebar. Like for Hogan, it looked really weird. I remember him saying that, and we just thought, oh, my God, it's Hogan. And then once I heard Bobby say that, I stopped and said, no, it's not him. Maybe it's not him because the wrestling way, when someone's going to turn, they're acting the exact opposite. So Bobby kind of added a little mix in there. So everybody else says, you know, he should never have said that. All of them. Hogan Bishop, as a wrestling somewhat historian and fan, I think it threw some some people like myself off a little bit. What do you think, Steve? Well, I was watching the um, Steve Nash or Kevin Nash, excuse me, was on the Steve Austin podcast. I know somebody by the name of Steve Nash. You know, uh, shout out to Steve Nash. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but Kevin Nash was with on the Broken Skull Sessions with Austin, and they were watching the clip, and when Bobby said that, Nash made a negative comment about Bobby doing it. I don't see any problem with it. I mean, it's an obvious question when he comes down to the ring. Whose side is he on? What? Well, they actually didn't tell the announcers what was going to happen back then. Shivani may have known. Well, Dusty, I'm sorry. Dusty probably knew, but I don't think Shivani or Bobby knew because they wanted the, the real reactions, and they got, what, they got what they asked for. Yeah, exactly. That was just his, his reaction. Well, whose but side is he time, on? Long-time wrestling fans like us, it threw us off. If you're watching for the first time, oh, when someone's going to turn, it's obvious, it's obvious. Oh, he's here to save the day. Here he comes. You know, the sky's blue. Hulkamania. He's going he's gonna to turn with the Hitler mustache. You know what I mean? And Bobby threw that. It kind of throws a little uh, dice the other way, in my opinion. Good question, Kevin. Thanks for being such a great and listener. One more. We appreciate you. Yep. And uh, Jamie from Queens. Jamie from uh, this, Queens. She's back again. We've heard from Jamie before. Hell yeah. Uh, you met. You mentioned the fabulous Rooster Brothers last podcast. Why do you think they weren't given more of a heel run? It seemed like towards the end they became a bit of a joke. Uh, Jamie, they were heels um, from summer 88 up until uh, they disbanded uh, around Royal Rumble 90. So it's quite a little bit of a run there. And uh, a joke, you know, they, they were definitely funny. You know, they were meant to be funny heels. Um there were just so many tag teams at that time. If they were around, that's what I was going to say. That's what I was yeah, going like to say. It was just crowded. Era, yep. In like 1994, 95, they'd been they would have been the tag team champions the entire time. It's just it was just too crowded for everybody being the killer bees. Never got the belt. So 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 many teams, great teams, uh, never got it. But I think I think they were used uh, very effectively. Absolutely, I totally agree with you. That I just think it was too many cooks in the kitchen at that moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I just think they got lost in the shuffle. But I will say, way better as a heel team. Uh, the Little American Flags, the song that Jimmy Hart wrote for them. Um, I don't like uh, the Mountie Rougeau at all. I think he's a cocky, arrogant idiot. I can't stand his... The Dynamite Kid situation. I can't stand how proud he is of sucker punching a guy and breaking his teeth. Um, I just... I Everything about that turns my skin, but... As far as forget that, just I thought they were a really great heel tag team, and I think they unfortunately just got lost in the shuffle. They deserve actually, they uh, deserve better, I think. I just thought of it. Their spinoff team, the Quebecers, in '93 that had the belts like three times. So it's kind of almost you know it's Jacques and Pierre instead of instead of Jacques and Raymond. So it's kind of a spinoff there. Uh, last one on my end, Steve. Before we get to yours, it's from uh, JB. And I've heard from JB before as well. Uh, this one's a little lengthy. Since the wrestler's appearance can be a big part of his or her persona and gimmick, I'm curious which of Hogan's many looks you and Steve prefer. As saying, which color of trunks 
Oh my god, classic, classic. The I want yeah. red and yellow to the gills. I mean, I want yellow trunks and you know yellow boots and red knee pads. Red knee pads. I want the the shirt can be red or yellow. Doesn't bother me either way as long as he's ripping it off and throwing it in the crowd. You know, I love the Hulk rules shirt that period kind of. Um, but man, not the boas. I'd prefer not a boa. Was never a big fan of the boas. Um, it's kind of more Jesse's thing, superstars and Jesse. Exactly. I wasn't a big fan of that when the look, when the. I mean, I was just glad to have him back. Um, you know, back to the red and yellow at that point. So the boas were. If I had to have boas, fine. But if you're asking, that kind of represents like old Hulk. There's old Elvis. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's old Hulk. Exactly. No, I I want, you know, what do you wore to WrestleMania three basically. Yeah, I'm pretty much on board with you there, Steve. Uh, my favorite, though, is obviously the yellow trunks, red knee pants, red boots, the 1986-87 belt with the red. I love the yellow shirt, but the red shirt was a little more rare. He doesn't wear it that often, the red Hulkamania shirt. It's basically the whole ensemble he wore against Harley Race in the Garden in May 1987. JP, if you want to take a look at that match, that's the exact prototype of Hulk that I like the most. I actually uh, asked Hogan this question once. Uh, why did you change from wearing the white, well, white sometimes, or the blue, and then the blue sometimes, used to mix it all up with the red and yellow, then all of a sudden, sometime in mid-87, just stuck with the red and yellow. I guess he kind of misunderstood my question and just started explaining to me how he got the yellow from uh, Angelo Papo and how it, how it popped his tan. Uh, it was a cool answer, but it really didn't answer my question. But uh, this question from you, JB, made me think of that, and that's a nice memory. And uh, you thanked us for the podcast and everything, and we thank you for listening and asking us questions, man. Love you. Yeah, absolutely. I was just looking at the Facebook group page, and our original post on here is a bunch of comments. I don't know that I see a question. Uh, you and Jay Hinchy went back and forth. Shout out to Jay. Uh, thanks for his support. He's been really nice in terms of the growth of this podcast. Your boy Chet says, I'll never forget that phone call. Um, one of your boys said you were in tears. Yeah. Um, we talked. Yeah, my sister's ex-husband. Yeah, we <laughs> talked about your reaction earlier. Um, Barry Sioni says he's the third man. Um, and Steve Rocco says I remember this. Hall showing up a few weeks earlier got me back into it. Thought they were going to do a crossover with WCW and WWF, so he bought it that they were truly outsiders. Let me tell you something, Steve Rocco. I knew you back then, and I don't believe that you bought that. I think you have some inside <laughs> information, just like myself, because we used to talk about that. If you're listening to me, get uh, back getting to it. I called think, out. I think, I think you're selling yourself a little short. That's all I'm saying. All right. But, uh, all right, Steve. And Ryan Cummings Rocco. wants to know, why do you think they decided to have Bobby Walker go over Bobby Kidman this night? So that's, I assume, some kind of WCW humor I don't get. I guess I, I, that may have been in the main event pre-show, which is not shown on Peacock, or he's just kidding. Okay. But uh, Bobby Walker went by the name of Hard Work Bobby Walker. So, yeah, I threw some WCW humor on top of that. And I said he beat Kidman because of all his hard work. Gotcha. Anything else, question-wise? Paula, do you got anything else? What do you got? Let's. You got one more email? You can give one more if you got one more. You got to do it on mic, though. We need you on the mic. I tell you this 30 times an episode. Go ahead. I had this one, and it's... Willow. Oh, from from my from my niece Willow. Yes. The first ever email to a podcast from a one year old. Go ahead. What does Willow want to know? So she just wanted to know 
uh, you were also a wrestler, what team would you be called? What? Oh, if you had a tag team. Yes. Well, well okay, let me answer it first. Well, it would kind of depend on my partner um, because I'd like to make some kind of name that would make sense for both of us. But let's just say my partner was Dave, just for the fun of this, because okay. we're partners on this show. Um, and knowing Dave and knowing myself, um, I think maybe we go for like some kind of Motley Crue reference. What do you think about that, wow. Dave? You wow, know what I, I mean? Because like we're both rock fans, metal fans, yeah. Motley Crue's Dave's favorite band. How about something mixed with Crue and Pearl Jam? Right. I was going to say Mo- Motley Jam or Crew Jam. The Crew Jam or Crew Jam. That could Perfect. be a, that's a finishing move. Yeah. That's a finishing move, the Crew Jam. Now, so that's what I would do. What do you got, Paula? I think mine will be called because... Who's your partner, though? Well, my partner... Well, Let's say it's Gregory. Gregory doesn't like unicorns. Oh, he doesn't like unicorns? <laughs> I like picking, like, a name with dark dress, like, like, a good one. Okay. So this is the one I choose. All right. My partner is... What about Allie? Allie. Okay. Allie, okay. And she... We're called... The Unicorn Connection. The Unicorn Connection. I like it. <laughs> Sounds pretty deadly. You guys could have horns. And you got a merch. You got merch right out the bat. They sell the horns. You know what I mean, Dave? Right away, they got a merch angle. Yeah, that's just like the, um, what are those guys called? You know, the New Day, right? New Day rocks in the WWE. But Steve, as I'm going to go now, I'm going to go on your theme with the whole Motley Crude thing. I just thought of something. All right. Our name of our team will be Mostly Crude. C-R-U-D-E. Love it. Love it. Heels. I changed my type of name. Okay. Well, I'm going to do it right now, and it's going to be a cool name. Because me and Daddy like Van Halen, Van Halen, Wolfie, Wolfie. Yes. So I guess, what about the, let me think about it again. The Van Wolfs. The Van Wolfs, but no, the Wolfie Fiend. All right, the wolfy theme. Yeah. The wolfy theme. They're yeah. teen wolves. Yeah. That. Yeah, but I'm going to be seeing Wolfie in a couple of weeks, um, Paula. Yeah, he's over open. here in the Meadowlands. Yeah. All right. Well, with all that said, it's been a great episode, a long episode. Mm-hmm. We got to get this little Paula into bed. She's got the zoo tomorrow. She's oh, going to the zoo. the zoo. The Motley Zoo. But um, I want to thank everyone who stuck with us during our little summer break. Hold on, Paula. Don't go anywhere. You know you got to finish this out with us, right? So hang in tight. So I want to thank everyone who hung out with us over our summer break. Dave, before we go, we do have to announce what we're going to do next time, which as a bonus to everyone who stuck with us, is going to be next week. So we're not going to take any time in between episodes. And we we promise. promise. Yep. Next week. If if you don't hear from us next week, check in on us. How's that sound? Absolutely. Okay, and uh, that announcement is the first time we're going to be headed to Beantown, Steve. Beantown, Boston, January, home of 19th. Peter Winson. The great Peter Winson, and I, I would imagine Keithy as well. Um, we're taking you back to 1988, January, early 1988, and one of the very few handful, I'm talking a small handful of matches between our champion, the immortal Hulk Hogan, and none other than from Robbinsdale, Minnesota, ravishing Rick Rude. That's a treat. Yeah, I found this match on um, Instagram. One of the like throwback Instagrams had a clip of it, and it just looked cool. And I I tagged Dave in it. And uh, we are. What's wrong, Paula? Oh, 
Paula, tell everyone why you're a little worried about it. Well, because Mama yep. is pretending she likes to look through, and I don't want her to get really to the look through feeling. Yeah, we're a little bit worried that Rick Rude might steal my wife, right, Paula? Yeah. Whenever Mrs. she Bennett sees might him. be a surprise guest next week. Yeah, but when we, when she sees him take his robe off, she gets she gets all sweaty and flushed and weak in the knees. You don't, don't want a Cheryl Cheryl Roberts moment. Here no, twenty four inch podcast. No, I don't like it one bit. So that's what we're gonna do uh, next time. But again, I appreciate everyone who stuck with us during the break. Yeah, we gotta we gotta keep that be, one quiet. Be careful! Paula. You don't want you don't want any wrestling fans accusing you of locking your wife in closets or anything. That's so that's we true. Gotta be careful. That can be bad. <laughs> that can be bad. Um, once again, I wanted to, uh, you know, prayers and and thoughts are with the family of Mister Wonderful Paul Orndorff and also our dear friend Calvin. Um, it's been a rough couple weeks uh, in the small wrestling community that Dave and I are both a part of. Um, but you know, uh, as someone wiser than me once said, if you got good friends, love them while they're here. So I just want to leave everyone with that. And I ask you all to say your prayers, eat your vitamins and tell your friends about the 24 inch podcast. Brother, brother, brother. Sweetie, sweetie, sweetie.